In the land of Eternia, you must fight to survive. He had the sword of power. Wait a second. Uh, on Earth in a random town, you must fight to survive. <laughs> With the cosmic key and all the other weird random junk they add to this movie. <laughs> That's right. For the very first time ever, I watched Masters of the Universe. And the Masters of the Universe. I am Adam, Prince of Eternia and defender of the secrets of Castle Grayskull. This is Cringer, my fearless friend. Fabulous secret powers were revealed to me the day I held aloft my magic sword and said, By the power of Grayskull! became the mighty battle cat and I became He-Man, the most powerful man in the universe. Only three others share this secret. Our friends, the Sorceress, Man-at-Arms, and Orko. Together we defend Castle Grayskull from the evil forces of Skeletor. What is up, everybody? Welcome to Clear Attentive Classics, the show where I, your host, Jake Ryan Baker, watch classic movies for the very first time <laughs> and get my nostalgia-free opinions on them. And today is a very, very special episode. You guys are in for a rare treat today. I don't do this often. Tony, I think, has been the victim. This is the second time Tony's the victim of a four-person podcast. But hey, we got now one. Not two, but three guests today. Well, I'm a return guest. Tony Anthony Walters. I always forget you're like professionally Anthony. It doesn't whatever. Matter. Uh, <laughs> Luke, <laughs> we had a whole conversation about this. Uh, Luke McLaughlin. McLaughlin. Yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> McLaughlin is back on the show. You guys remember him from the Cuckoo's Nest episode. Uh, but we also have first time guest Michael J. Taylor is on the show. Welcome, all of you. Thank you. Tomorrow. Yes, thank you. Uh, you guys will have a fun time. Uh, all of us are. I assume some of you tuning in are friends of, of Luke and Michael and Tony, so you'll probably recognize their voice. But yes, well, you are hearing four white men's voices that you probably don't know that well, so have a fun time parsing out who's who. Maybe we should be a little, uh, I'll, I'll give you guys each an intro. Michael, you're a first-time guest, so uh, I always tell, I always try to dig into people's, like, you're into filmmaking, you love movies. Like, uh, talk to us a little bit about your filmmaking career and, like, what that journey's been like. Um, yeah, it's been a long journey. Um, that has not got me as far as the length of the journey. Um, <laughs> Starting but, off on a downer. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I started in film really actually in middle school. Uh, I started doing commercials, uh, local commercials. Um, and we did uh, a play in seventh grade, uh, Tom Sawyer. And I played the annoying brother, Sid, uh, which my sister said I was typecast. Um, and then the bug just hit me from there. Um, I, I do. I hate to stop you already, no. but I, I I gotta circle back to like what local commercials were you in? That's got to be a treasure trove. Uh, <laughs> oh, they're they're glorious. Uh, used cars. 
Um, it was all because they were friends of my dad's. Uh, actually got to do one for the Indianapolis Indians. Um, so Razor Shines, for any of you out there that know who Razor Shines <laughs> is. Um, he was a big uh, Indians player, played for the Expos for like two seasons. I have his card, no big deal. Um, <laughs> but uh, he worked for my dad. My dad was in uh, fuel oil. And so Razor wanted something in the off season to keep his strength up without having to just go work out every day. So um, he worked for my dad's company and they became friends. And next thing you know, I'm having free uh, batting lessons out on, uh, um, it was at the time it was Bush stadium. Then, uh, before they had the new, the new field, um, I hit a home run, uh, which was pretty awesome. Pump the shit. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah. And so while they were out there, they said, Hey, you know, we're, they were filming this little thing and they needed some, some of the kids that were out there. And so I got to run over and kind of be a background guy. I mean, wow. I, I didn't get any dialogue or anything like that but it was just like a come <laughs> yeah, on they gotta to keep Bush you under five they can't pay you yeah that's right yeah. <laughs> um, but you know of course me i'm like trying to get in there as much as i can but you really you couldn't really see me that much but um but i definitely i mean i, I definitely love that and then just like local stuff uh yeah like i said you, you know, like used cars and whatever um my brother was friends with the used car salesman and he did local um you know the things that like the the video or the commercial starts to play, but then it cuts off because they realize you're in the wrong area. I was in the ones that usually got cut off. <laughs> um, but uh, um, yeah, so those were those were my local ones, um, right? And then, and like you said, you you you've got an extensive theater background as well. Yes, I'm currently the artistic director at the Red Barn Summer Theater. Um, Luke over here is the uh, my uh, he's the associate uh, director as well, um, which we only have titles because the board wants us to have titles, but we really, we work together. Um, is that how but, you feel about it, Luke? Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> you can, I, you can tell us if he's oppressing. <laughs> no, not at all. No. I mean, as, as the artistic director for Mike, used to say like the buck has to stop somewhere. I mean, it's nice to have somebody that like, he is the final end all be all, <laughs> but in terms of a working environment, yeah, I, I mean, it, it's us and several other people that I think work in conjunction. We're definitely a company of people, not just individuals. Oh, yeah. Super cool. Yeah, for sure. Um, so that's a lot of fun. It takes up a ton of time. And then, uh, I'm also the, uh, theater director at Frankfurt high school. So that kind of takes up my winters a little bit. So it pulls away from, uh, my filmmaking. I wish I could do more. I wish sure. I had more time for it. So Frankfurt's, um, they're yeah. still the wiener dogs, right? Uh, the hot dogs, hot dogs. Yeah. That's uh, so <laughs> the finding wiener. I, uh, a family friend of ours was their athletic director for a hot second. So oh. we were always wearing like Frank, uh, we're like with a little wiener dog on it, like merch. I don't know why. I think my whole family is just really into their mascot. <laughs> I mean, the hot dogs. I mean, that's pretty sweet, actually. You know, I, I was, uh, I went to Hamilton Southeastern, so I was a royal. Uh, so we were one of the lions, uh, was our mascot. But and then we come here and now I'm, uh, then I was, you know, in, in Ohio, I was with the Cavaliers or the, the, the Indians. And then I come here and now I'm a hot dog. So <laughs> it, it took me a couple of years to get into it, but now it's like, you own it. Yeah, it's, it's just, sweet. it's nice to have something unique. Like the high school I went to, we were just the Patriots and our football helmets were just straight up the New England Patriots logo. <laughs> that sucks for you. Yeah. That's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, Tony said before, like you, you guys' summers are very intense with the theater. He's like, and I think we've all, anyone that's friends with you guys is experienced. You guys kind of dropping off the face of the <laughs> earth. It's like, oh, it's, it's, <clears throat> it's theater season. Like. Theater is such an intense thing in, in its own like special way with how much rehearsal and intense stuff you have to go through to like prep shows. And then I don't know, do you, um, something I act, I ask a lot. I think, I think we talked about this a little bit, Luke, the, 
differences between screen acting and theater acting a little bit, but please feel free to also chime in. But I always like asking actors, like, do you, do you have a preference for one? I mean, I've learned over the years, like you get a certain buzz from live theater that you simply do not get from screen acting, but then screen acting has its own interesting nuances too. Like, do you have any like strong opinions as far as that goes? Oh, I, uh, I love them both. Um, I saw a panel one time where somebody uh, totally bashed theatrical acting or stage acting. And I thought you're only saying that because you've never done it. Um, and then when I've seen some of their movies, I was like, oh, you haven't really done other acting. Um, but, uh, so yeah, so I, you know, that kind of hit me in the heart a little bit, but, uh, I think the base of any of all acting started, I mean, it all started live or we had, you know, screen acting. True. Very true. Um, so it all, you know, it all builds up from there, but there's definitely a difference. I teach it in my classes. Uh, I've been acting for the camera class currently um, and explaining to them the difference. And most people say how uh, acting on film is more real. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's easier or whatever. It's, um, you can connect better, but you really can't. It's not more real. Um, the camera manipulates everything. Um, you can put two shots together that weren't even filmed on the same day. Yeah. Um, you can be acting to a stand-in and getting nothing from them and some stage managers reading the lines with no inflection whatsoever. And you just have to pretend that you hear it and play off of that. And that is hard. Um, in theater, um, you always have to be on. So if you're on stage, somebody's watching you. Generally, it's your mom or your friends. Um, <laughs> but somebody's always watching you. So you can't just stand there and wait for your line. Right. Um, it's, you know, you, the audience decides where they look. Uh, when you're acting with somebody like right now, I'm looking across the table at uh, Tony and Luke, but this feels natural. Um, but in film, if we have to be in the frame, if we're doing a close up, we've got it. There's no way we could be in this distance. And that close up still looks normal on the frame. But if you're seeing it outside of the frame or out, you know, on the, behind the camera, you're like, wow, they're, they could be kissing right now. And it's not an intimate scene. It's just two guys talking. Yeah. So, the uh, amount of times, both with photography and film, you have to give someone the direction of, I know it's going to feel weird, but trust me. Yeah. Can, you, can you just be a little bit closer? <laughs> it's like, yeah. I, I know you guys like feel like your noses are touching, but it's just like, I got it. You, I need your shoulder in the frame, please. Like just move forward. <laughs> like, <laughs> My acting for the camera teacher in, in college on the very first day, he gave everyone mints and he's like, you'll understand why, why I gave this to you. And then he's <laughs> like, now get closer. Um, so you, you learn very quickly how, how awkward that is. Uh, but then also trying to make, you're doing the same scene and you're doing a close up, um, and then they pull away and all of a sudden you're doing a long shot. Um, it has to still look the same. If you have props in your hands, you, you have to adjust, lower them. So it looks natural. Um, you know, a medium shot in film is like normal conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's, you know, um, where, you know, you, you take a wide where you get to see, you know, you're not really focused on something you're focused on the landscape and everything around. I'm sure there's lots of filmmakers out there and they're like, why is he telling us this? But <laughs> and they all know, but, um, for the, you know, my two friends that you were talking about that might be listening. Um, this is for the, I didn't, I didn't specify a number. <laughs> no, I, <laughs> he, he is specifying I, a number. It could be lots. Um, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, no, that's great. I, it, I just love, I love both. I love theater. It's always so, I don't know if you guys get like this, but I sometimes get really lost in thought of like, you know, obviously Shakespeare 
is like I, I don't, I'm not that well versed in Shakespeare. So I was about to say hundreds of years ago, and I'm like doubting myself. Like, wait, when, when was <laughs> when was Shakespeare? But it's interesting to think we like seeing a play back then, like without all the stimulation that we have today, must have been insane. Like, like what an experience to like go see all these actors like performing. Well, that's part of the reason why. I mean, you have shows that are three and a half, four hours long, mm. and people are paying in that time good money to be in a theatrical space to either approve of it or disapprove of it and throw <laughs> shit at you. Mm -hmm. But I mean, the expectation was you're supposed to entertain me for a full day. Whereas, you know, as you're talking about simulation now, if we try to put on a four hour show. Uh, we would have people rioting by the two hour point. I mean, that is why I think people egg my house because this podcast is so long. They're like, make it shorter. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, nobody knows. We where talk about that in class about, <laughs> yeah, in the old cartoons, especially like Looney Tunes and things when they're doing a show in that cartoon and they start throwing lettuce or tomatoes and it seems silly. Like, why do they have that? But that stems back to that time because people brought their lunches because they were going to be there all day. So they actually had that food and they really did that shit. Like they didn't like it. You're getting a tomato. Oh <clears throat> yeah. I need to bone up on my Shakespeare for sure. Like all I know about Shakespeare is like from Shakespeare in love or something. <laughs> like... I love Shakespeare in love, but I don't think Luke feels the same way I do. I do not. It's a it's a very maligned movie, I think, because of the whole Oscar thing that happened where like it won like a lot of awards and people have like looked back on it as like a movie that shouldn't have been so critically lauded. But I like the movie. I don't know. Uh, what was it up against uh Saving Private Ryan, which I think is a movie we were kind of discussing before there, this. Yeah, there's but, a couple uh, there's a couple movies of the of the same year that were just like, What the fuck? <laughs> like how did Shakespeare and Love beat this? Which is uh -huh. like I don't know. The Oscar noms just happened. This I don't know when this episode will actually come out, but I'm someone who's fully given up on caring about the Oscars whatsoever. The only thing I like about it is just to stuff like zone of interest and like anatomy of the fall gets a couple more eyeballs that they deserve because they're like good movies. And some people just like, Oh, that's nominated. I'll go see that or whatever. But I used to have like a couple of friends. It was like their dream to like win an Oscar. And I'm just like, it's just, I just don't, I don't know. Personally, I just don't put that much stock in it, but it is fun to see what gets nominated. I don't know if you guys have, I follow it every year for some reason, and I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen like any of it. I did just watch Barbie the other day, and I did think it was really funny that Margot Robbie didn't get nominated, but uh, uh, um, what's his name? Ryan Gosling. Ryan Gosling did. I thought that was hilarious, only because it was like it just that's that's the point of the whole movie. Yeah, he has just it, instilled the whole message. Good, also, good job. No, go ahead. He, but my my thing on that is when everybody saw that movie, they what is the first thing they talked about? Ryan Gosling. They're like, oh. He's so funny, skin. He's so funny, Ryan Gosling. Ryan Gosling, and nothing against Margot Robbie. I mean, she's she's great. You know, um, my thing on the director is, you know, it's not even necessarily the movie that she wanted to do. There, the studio got so into it. So in the end, she's not really said that she's super proud of it necessarily. She's proud of what's happened with it, but I don't feel like it's necessarily her movie. So for her to be nominated, should she? Um, I think you know, the I think other the, movies. I think the director's does, chair is pretty crowded this year i don't really believe in the idea of a snub that being said it does seem a shame to this is my big takeaway from that movie was margot robbie's performance in the sense that it's like and i liked watching interviews with her because it's like how do you approach a character who at their starting point their head is basically empty and they've already they're they're living in bliss and they've achieved everything they want to achieve and that's where you have to start off with this character it's like how do you play that she, uh, Greta Gerwig, I guess, gave, uh, she sent like Margot Robbie an interview of this woman who, um, doesn't have inner, an inner voice. Like there's people in the world who just 
don't have voices in their head. Like they don't talk to themselves and they just don't have those kinds of thoughts. And so like she watched this like woman and was like, okay, so like no thoughts, like this is how this person like interacts with the world. And she was able to like sort of use that as a starting point. I think the performance is like really remarkable. And she's like, so empathetic in that movie for being a character who's like kind of like nebulous like it's a really challenging role that i liked a lot but of course everyone talks about gosling he's the flashy like that's the flashy role in that movie like that's what's going to stick out is him in the mink coat like doing the i'm just ken shit and like being a goofball like it's i get it I, I do. he's definitely I, having more fun oh for sure and, <laughs> and i i do have to say that they nominate the song that he sings because <laughs> When it all comes down to it, they got to get views. I mean, they got to get eyeballs yeah. on the screen. And by putting Gosling on stage to sing and probably dance with other people that were in the movie and also <laughs> having people rage watch, I mean, that's a real thing where they're all going to watch it and hope that, like, oh, this person won, but Margot should have won. But in the end, they're eyeballs. Like, there's people watching and it's going to drive content. And that's kind of. Yeah, that's been another thing for years. It's just like their numbers are going down yeah. and they're like, there was like a period where they were like, we're going to have like best popular movies so we can like nominate Black Panther for stuff and like right. get people to watch. And I was just like, what is going as a, on? As a straight white guy sitting here <laughs> with a bunch of other straight white guys, I think that, um, you know, Barbie is just a movie that maybe, is it really an Oscar movie anyway? I don't know. It's, it, whatever. it's one of those things where it's <laughs> these days discourse is so, everyone's so online and discourse is so like intense. And it's like when a movie go, goes that big, I mean, it made, what, what like a billion dollars or something yes, over a billion like it's like everyone's gonna have a hot take and, oh for sure and it's like i i remember because i was i think i said it on a recent episode where i was like i watched barbie yeah i was editing my shutter island episode last night and barbie came up and i was like yeah i wanted to watch it just so i could join the conversation i watched it was like that was fine mm-hmm. like that's uh, kind of <laughs> how i felt I, I i enjoyed it i, I had a good laugh with it and I, I, I just don't like there's it. some it's, laugh out loud moments oh for sure yeah, yeah. it's just become such a nexus point for a conversation that it never needed to be the nexus point for where it's like people are really trying to draw a lot of like meaning from it. But I'm like, it's the whole point of it was that it has like this very broad mass appeal that like a 12 year old girl can watch that movie and still engage with it intellectually and like learn from it. I'm like, it's not going to be the masterpiece of like the feminist ideals that it's not going to have the levels of nuance that you would look for. You can't get that from, the Mattel Barbie movie. Like, uh, mm-hmm. And it shouldn't be, I feel like a lot of weight's been like sort of unfairly placed on it when it's just like, it's just a fun movie with cool set design and some fun songs. And I like the Billie Eilish song. It gets me misty if I think about it hard <laughs> enough. Like, <laughs> um, My movie of the year is, is um, definitely the color purple. I don't know if anyone, I, 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 I haven't seen shit. I mean, I, I just think it's, it's phenomenal. And you know, I, but you know, how do you judge art? And that's why I hate the whole awards thing. Um, cause it's just yeah, an own opinion. Like, in what my is, opinion, what is I the think, best movie? <laughs> you know, I think Cold Purple's, I mean, it was just like, holy smokes, fighting back tears the whole time. I love the stage version. I love the original movie. Uh, I, I love what I they did for, this. Is, is that like, <clears throat> they've made that movie before, right? Yes. So it's by, it's yeah. by one of your favorite directors, Steven Spielberg. <laughs> oh, Steven Spielberg made it, the color purple? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, the original color The original. Purple. Yes. But then that's like Oprah, right? And yeah. Oprah yeah. and Whoopi. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. She produced this new movie and then the musical as well. Cool. Um, but there's just there's one I song. I think that's why I was confused because I was like, didn't they thought this was a movie already? Yeah. There's there's one song in the in the movie as I'm watching it, and it's an added song, which of course they're gonna make changes and things. And it just doesn't feel right. And you know, Halle Bailey sings it. Um, so you know, they wrote it for her and 
And then come to find out the reason they write, they wrote it was, it was for the Oscar. You know, they needed a song that could possibly be a pop song yeah. and not a musical theater song that could hit the radio. And, um, unfortunately not that she, I mean, she does a nice job with it. I think, you know, she, her voice fits a perfect and all that. It just doesn't, it doesn't feel right in the movie to me. Um, I know I'm, you know, not everyone feels the same way, but, um, there was another song that was added, um, that the lead character, she sings when she's younger and it's a beautiful, it's a great song. It's a, the way it's all labeled out and laid out and everything, um, is amazing. Um, and I thought, well, how did they do so well with that song? But then really fell short, um, with Hallie's song. And well, it sounds like it's like, that's what happens when you don't approach something earnestly and you're doing it for like cynical market reasons and not just like, right. How could this be born from the character? And like, what can we add mm -hmm. to the thing? It's like, it's like, uh, I never saw the Aladdin remake, but I know they, I watched it. Isn't that great? <laughs> it's like, I, I like the idea of giving Jasmine more agency, but it sounds like the songs they came up with were like fucking terrible. And like, I just, I just had a hard time looking at it. <laughs> it's just it's not a very was that, it doesn't was that, very good was that guy Richie that made that yeah fucking a yeah. uh he's he's on a he's on a, a trailer for his new thing just like dropped like today uh it's like it's like Henry Cavill with his tongue out shooting Nazis and I was just oh, like, was, right, uh, Argyle no yeah. Argyle's Matthew Vaughn oh okay that's why I got confused it's because I was like Henry Cavill's like a secret agent and I was like no that's Argyle but this new movie is coming out where Henry Cavill's like a psychopath in it and he's just killing Nazis like legions of Nazis okay. and I was like get it Henry Cavill I I'm someone who's like a big like a uh, man from uncle the Guy Ritchie movie I thought that movie got super slept on and I'm I recommend it to people all the time and the people will, like months later be like you know I finally saw that movie it was actually pretty good I'm like told you it's actually pretty yeah. good like although uh everyone's favorite cannibal is in that movie now I can't it's hard to watch stuff with him now uh what's his face for me hammer yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but to, just to go to go back just for people that know the information uh on those two songs from uh color purple the reason the other one fit i found out later it was originally supposed to be in the musical and they cut it oh interesting so they brought it back so that's why it that's why it fit i'll have that's to put that on the list uh, if you recommend it so highly i love it i'd go back and see it right now <laughs> and i'd probably still cry <laughs> i'm still working my way through i literally I've been on hold trying to get past lives from the library for like weeks now and finally watched Oppenheimer, but I haven't seen like, I've been dying to see zone of interest, but it's not playing anywhere. I'm hoping maybe now that the, it got nominated for some stuff, some theaters will start showing it like Fort Wayne, like is, a, is like our theater scene is a shit show and it's uh kind of sucks up there. Mm. <laughs> you know, speaking of like just films in general, um, well, I don't know. I kind of wanted to I actually put a pin in that. We're going to talk about, <laughs> we're going to talk about stuff we like that influenced us, but not done interviewing Michael just yet. Cause I want to talk a little bit about, uh, you're a very prolific writer as well and stuff like that. I mean, is that, was that born from your theater days or were you just like a film fan and started writing movies or how, how did that happen? Um, I don't know how it happened. Uh, I do remember in fifth grade, I just black out and then I wake um, up and there's a script. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes. Um, it's, uh, I know, I guess it was sixth grade. I said fifth. Uh, so in sixth grade, they went around and they interviewed everybody and they videotaped, but went back there on VHS camcorder, um, and asked everybody what they wanted to be when they grow up. So that when your senior year at our, or at a class reunion, they would play it and you could see what you were. And I remember I said, I wanted to be a writer. 
Mm. Um, at that time, I wanted to write short stories. I had no ideas about scripts or anything like that. And it really wasn't until, uh, I don't know, I guess high school when we started doing skits and things for acting classes, I started you know, kind of getting the bug of writing scripts. And it's just kind of, it's grown from there. Um, I've always had a knack for dialogue. Um, my professors in college always, always praised my dialogue. Um, they would get frustrated with my structure because, you know, in, in class, they want you to follow that structure because they want you to start with the basics, you know, and, and know what, what it is and why you're making those choices. And to me, I, I made the choices I felt that were right. And they always said, you're not wrong by doing it. It's just not what we're teaching in this class right now. So please do this. And then when you're out of this class, you go write stories however you want. Um, but uh, so I, well, yeah. I'm. So in college, I mean, were these like prose classes you were taking or were these screenwriting, playwriting? Screenwriting. Um, yeah, well, it's writing for everything. So um, teleplays, um, how to write, new script. Okay. Um, um, you know, everything. So it's, it's kind of an intro course. I think Luke probably took that as well. Yeah, there's um, a screenwriting, there's news writing, playwriting. Uh, I had to take like a creative writing short story and prose class as well. Yeah, it was it was a collection. And then after you kind of took all the base layer ones, they kind of let you choose which ones you wanted to go to. So I did screenwriting two and three as well. And, and what, what was this like, Ball State? Ball State, yeah. We mm. both went to Ball State. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. I went to IPFW, as it was called at the time. They've since broken away from the I, and now they're just PFW, but I refuse to <laughs> not call them IPFW. because Still the Mastodons, right? <laughs> yeah, but... We did have a screenwriting course and I've told the story a million times. So a very truncated version of it is I wrote throughout like my entire elementary school and high school career, but it wasn't literally until college that I even understood that people write movies. And I was like, Oh, I like movies. I like writing. And I was like, there's a class called screenwriting. That sounds fun. So like I'm a sophomore in college when I finally even understood that people write movies. So I, I was I'm sad cause I got a really late start to it. Cause like, you know, it's like, oh, you were in front of the camera when you were a kid. Or it's like, I just interviewed uh, my friend Malachi for the show. And he's like, oh yeah, when I was like seven, uh, my aunt gave me a camera and we were like making Indiana Jones movies in the backyard. And I'm like, you fucker. I wish I could have had that <laughs> yep. experience, but mm -hmm. uh, better late than never. Or yeah, maybe better never in this, in this field of work because it's, uh, it's, it's tough, but it's mm -hmm. like, I mean, you know. I think all of us at the table have various stories that are rattling around our heads and it just feels like you have to get it out. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I've stopped just writing kind of just freelance. Um, at this point in my life, I have so many scripts that are sitting around. Um, sometimes it was just, I would just write it because the idea was there and you want to keep it fresh. Um, and then finally I said, okay, I'm not going to write it unless I know I feel like I want to, you know, film it or, 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 or sure. produce it. And then, you know, you got to have the money or you got to have the people there that want to work it with you. So then I thought, okay, I'm only going to write it if somebody asked me to write it for them. <laughs> um, so then I started doing that. And then, you know, more things, more things are getting produced that way that I'm writing. Yeah. Um, but it's harder because now you're writing someone else's story. Um, and mm -hmm. even though you try to put your own heart or your own spin on it, um, you know, it's still, it's still their thing. Um, yeah. And, you know, uh, well, I guess it's worth saying, like, uh, me and Michael worked together on a script for a movie that exists in the world, uh, the Macabre Mountain, um, which I think sadly I directed that. Movie. Yeah, and then Tony Tony directed it. So <laughs> and I was at school working, <laughs> <laughs> but all of us got to work on Tony's movie Undesirables as well, which is I believe 
you and Tony worked on the script for that mm-hmm. together, and then you star in it. So I'm sure that idea came from a dream. I don't know they usually <laughs> do from you, but I- yeah, but that one, I mean, I think I've told this a few times. That one came from like a Alfred Hitchcock lesson on how to create suspense with like a bomb strapped underneath the table, and the whole thing originally was just like a short film with like people sitting in a diner, and I had this steak that was like cooking on the grill. Oh yeah. Oh, and, the steak. Yeah. Steak uh, got cut from the, oh, from yes, the yeah, it did. It did. <laughs> There was supposed to be a bunch of cutbacks to that steak too, uh-huh. and it's not anywhere. Nope. Not in it at all. We, we tried. It just didn't. <laughs> <laughs> you can always get some steak action. Oh, I forgot but... about the steak. Yeah. That was, that was a big ordeal in the beginning. Yeah. It, uh, it did not make it. No. <laughs> That's just like, uh, it's tough. And then like working with Michael was enlightening because I don't know if I've ever met somebody who writes as fast as you do. Uh, I was like, it'd be like, oh, okay, we need to like work on this macabre mountain stuff. And then it's like the next day, he sent me like 75 pages. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> I'm like a notoriously slow writer. I just uh, keep going as long as the story <laughs> is just coming out. And Cause it's, if you walk away, you lose it. Although sometimes walking away can be the best thing. Um, cause sometimes you get tunnel vision. Um, or if something's just not working right and you're trying to force it, just get up, get away, you know, go sleep or go have, you know, lunch or something and then come back. And then all of a sudden you're like, Oh, I never would have thought of that. Or something at lunch sparks that idea or, um, or not. You take a long car ride and talk about it. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. It's just always people's processes are interesting to me because I'll listen to Aaron Sorkin talk and he'll be like, yes, my writing process is I pace around my apartment for three weeks. And I just walk in circles and then finally I sit down and just bang it all out. It's like 300 pages and then I have to figure out what to do from there. Whereas me, I, I seem to like to meditate on the story for like a while and just like let random snatches of thoughts like come to me. And, but I, I personally have a hard time like actually just planting my butt in the seat and like doing the work and it, it can be, it can be tough, but I, I just like admire people that can like actually get it done (laughs) but there's a lot of started scripts out there that are like five pages long and then no one's ever finished them but that's definitely i mean i I definitely try to finish always try to finish because it's just too easy not to Mm. so even if it's you know sometimes i i'll just start clicking and i'm like i have to finish or i have to get to the certain point and i'll just push through it just to get past that trouble spot because i know it's just words you know, it's just ideas and they can change. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm never afraid to change an idea. I, I've like given people advice that I can't follow where it's like, you don't have to be a perfectionist. Like you just get the first draft down and anything you can change and be better and all these things. And then I'll just like be like, I can't write it unless it's perfect on the first draft. And it, it's like a real hurdle that I battle a lot. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's, it's, I wish I could be more of like a just vomited out and like one of my only workarounds has been to like hand write some of it. And mm. then like somehow that takes away the pressure of it being like permanent. It's not in the computer yet. So it like doesn't count. And like, sometimes I can kind of work around that way, but I don't know. It's like a, it's a, it's a tough thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, now the one that's, that's kind of getting some steam right now, uh, Emerald forest, um, which is, uh, Darren Lee cups. Um, yeah, uh, people, yeah, people have heard him on the show fairly recently. Um, yeah, he's, uh, I mean, that's, it's a, it's a big, big story. And I, I know he's, um, I, I know they're doing some reworking on it with him and the director, which, you know, they always do because you got to look at what can we actually do. And uh, when a director takes it, they want to put their stamp on it as well. Although yeah, I will tell sure. you, 
uh, Darren is somebody that he has his mindset and he knows what he wants. Um, and working on that with him, um, when he asked me to do it, I said, I'll do it, but I'll only do it a few pages at a time. Um, cause I knew if I wrote a script, I'd hand it to him and he'd be like, uh, oh, this was a nice effort, but that's not what I want. Um, so just knowing that going in, um, and having worked with him, uh, a little bit before, uh, it was a great process. It was great writing with him. Um, he definitely had his vision of what he, him and Lisa Wilcox, I'm sure he showed certain, you know, he, he's told everyone the story that they came up with kind of the outline of, of the whole story and then um, handed that over to me, but it was still very open. Um, so he, he gave me a lot of freedom, which was awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's really exciting. Yeah. Uh, people should, I mean, we pimped it out on Darren's episode, but he's made even more announcements since then. He had mm-hmm. actually told me before we started recording that he got, is it Doug Jones? Yes, Doug Jones. Uh, he he dropped All state guy. Yep. Yeah, he d- dropped the J- Doug Jones thing on me, but I was sworn to secrecy, and, and so I was like, <laughs> I guess I can't tell anybody about this. But that's officially out in the open now, so that's yeah. pretty cool. I mean, Doug, Doug Jones is such a nice guy. He's, he's one of I the mean, nicest guys. so tremendously talented too. Where it's just like he's one of those like almost unsung heroes of like cinema because he makes his bread and butter with all his like makeup effects work. So you don't see his face as much as a lot of other actors, but he's been in like some of the biggest fucking movies, you know, Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> I was laughing because a lot of the comments on Darren's post were like, I really loved him in Hocus Pocus. I love Billy. <laughs> it was like, that's such a funny poll. For I know. I, he's done so many great things. <laughs> <clears throat> I always, I, my, my big thing, and maybe I'm influenced because Tony's got a Hellboy uh, thing over there, but I mean, I do love his Hellboy character a lot. That's like a kind of an all time. I was really hoping you were going to pull Silver Surfer there. <laughs> Silver oh, I Surfer. really love him in that. <laughs> That you? shit Fantastic Four movie. No. <laughs> I was gonna say, hey, they've made worse Fantastic oh, th- Four. That movies. is a fair statement. What are the What are the Fantastic Four hot takes? That movie's not good. The Silver Surfer. <laughs> I don't know if that's a hot take. I think that's yeah. pretty. Yeah, I think everybody. That's, that's a pretty. That's a pretty fair. <laughs> it's, it's pretty universally reviled movie. <laughs> I yeah. I feel like I remember liking the first one, but I was like pretty young when it came out, so maybe I didn't know any better. Or I was just like, yeah, because I actually used to watch the like OG cartoon when I was a kid. I guess a hot take is I'm not a big Fantastic Four, even in the comics. They can't, they can't seem to crack them, which is really weird Mm -hmm. because like you have this inherently interesting dynamic of the four of them. They have such interesting relationships with each other and yet they can't seem to crack it in the movies. Mm -hmm. I don't know why that, that particular story is so fucking hard to adapt. I don't really know. I feel like if you threw the Fantastic Four at me, surely find a way in to make that work i don't know like they tried that body horror one but there was so much behind the scenes drama with that that like i don't know whether that could have been a good movie or because that director kind of sounds like a nightmare to work (laughs) with but it also is like apparently the good parts of that movie are his vision so it's like i I think they need to work on them as the individuals Uh, i feel like the last movies they focus so much on their powers um and not I don't know. I, I think every superhero is only as good as their as the villain, which we'll get into that in this uh, when we when we get into you know today. Yeah, that's why I was like, I said, we can, I said, we can we can spin off on a Fantastic Four tangent because that feels <clears throat> adjacent to Masters of the Universe. <laughs> where it's but like, I just don't think they've mastered the the you know, universe, the, an- the antagonist. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they have mastered the universe of of that, and they 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 haven't quite figured out the antagonist yet. Um, for that in the movies, which is so weird because they do have Doctor Doom, who mm-hmm. is a great antagonist, awesome. Uh, and then I mean, that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> and Doctor Doom still shows up in other Marvel stuff, mm-hmm. so they'll just be like, 
yeah, he's like lightning Spider-Man in this one. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Are you guys big, big superhero people? Uh, I am. I, I mean, I, I read comics and I, I've kind of pulled away from them a little bit, but cause I like the movies. So the movies don't make you as frustrated if you're not reading the comics. <laughs> um, well, like, uh, like, what do you mean though? Like, are you into DC and Marvel or like, what's, what's the deal? I was an image guy. Um, so like, uh, spawn was one of my, okay. One of my favorites actually still is. I, I still do every now and I've then never I'll, seen the uh, movie. Uh, the movie. <laughs> It's okay. Um, <laughs> he got really it, high pitched I mean, there. It, it's fine. Uh, <laughs> with the money that they had, I'm glad that they made it, that they made an attempt. Um, they keep saying they're making another one and they're going to go all in, which I hope they do. Yeah. Um, yeah. They've been threatening that for years. I don't know what's going on. It's I don't, He's such a cool character. And the problem is the first one, they tried to make it, they wanted kids to be able to see it, but I'm. it's just not, it's not a PG comic no i mean the first in the early you know issues it's the child molesters who he's chasing down <laughs> um which they totally ignored and you know stayed away from that topic um in the in the movie but it's it just it really set it sets a tone for what's happening in that story and who spawn is as a character and sure i mean he's a hell spawn and you know he's the good guy so. <laughs> is that Michael J. White that is spawned yeah. in the first one? Mm -hmm. I love him so ah, much. He's under underrated. I'm sad because like I think his Outlaw Johnny Black movie finally came out, and I've been hearing very mixed reviews of it in the sense that apparently it's just okay. That's what I have not seen it, but I've heard the same thing. Which sucks because uh I God, Black Dynamite's just like an all-timer. And I think everyone was like waiting for Johnny Black to be like the return of like the Black Dynamite fun that we had mm -hmm. back in the day and it sounds like they just didn't quite get there uh, but i haven't seen it so you know judgment mm -hmm. withheld i don't know for sure yeah chocolate giddy up <laughs> <laughs> sarcastically i'm in charge <laughs> uh <laughs> but black dynamite i sell drugs to the community uh i, I love that movie <laughs> but have you uh, watched the animated series a little bit, yeah. That's pretty good, too. <laughs> I do that shit when I was on the moon! <laughs> I also love Michael J. White, because... Uh, uh, Spawn? It, it, it came up somewhere. Sorry, I just missed out on all the stuff. Yeah. Spawn. This yeah. is a conversation. But yeah, that, yeah, that was where... That's I, how we got there. Yeah, we, we were talking about... We were talking about somehow Fantastic Four came up, and then we started talking about comic book movies. Have uh, we started talking about uh, Master of the Universe yet? No, we have not. We were we started to veer there through Fantastic Four. We had a very a very nice universe. Oh, I, I universe. know how we got there because we were talking about Duck Jones mm. and, and someone brought up Silver Server. There we yeah. go. I backtracked. There but it is. I, I was I, I remember what I was trying to say. It's because I did forty eight hours for the show recently. I was looking at Walter Hill movies. I forgot that he directed the first Undisputed movie, which is a just a movie series that I kind of love because it's so bonkers insane. It's like Undisputed is like slightly adjacent to the fast and furious franchise in the sense that the first movie is like kind of grounded. Like the first undisputed movie is like Wesley Snipes and Ving Rhames in a prison boxing movie. And then in the second one, Michael J white gets brought in to essentially play the Ving Rhames part. And because he's so athletic uh, and he's fighting Scott Adkins in that movie and they're both just bonkers martial artists. So suddenly this grounded gritty boxy movie turns into like this, spin kicks and all this crazy shit and this like underground boxing like uh underground martial arts like jail scene because like they 
Michael J. White like goes to Russia and they like plant drugs on him because they want him to like fight in their prison thing. And then by the third movie, Scott Adkins, who was the villain of the second movie, is now the hero of the third movie. Mm-hmm. It's just such a fun series. I don't know. I love the I love the martial arts stuff. But yeah, um uh but yeah, we should talk a little bit about like some of you guys' like favorite stuff and like especially stuff like that's adjacent to Master of the Universe. Like how are we with sci-fi and fantasy and all the, all that stuff? Like, does anyone have like some super strong opinions on any of that? I'm not the biggest no. fantasy guy, but I am a pretty big sci-fi guy. Okay. Like, I don't really like Lord of the Rings, but but I do love me some like Star Trek. I don't know Star mm-hmm. Trek. So, I mean, are you? Uh, feels like we've kind of stopped being like you're either a Star Wars guy or a Star Trek guy, but. But also, it's kind of funny because Star Wars really is more. Fan- it's more fantasy. fantasy but I am more of a Star Wars person than I am a Star Trek person. But I've interesting in recent years gotten really into sci-fi stuff. So I've been reading a lot of sci-fi books. Like I just read Contact not too long ago. Okay, I've been wanting to do uh, the Abyss for the show for a while. I've never seen that. Um, but I, I usually, I used to say I wasn't a big sci-fi guy, but I like sci-fi in the sense that when they are able to take a concept and really like use it to show like an aspect of society and really blow that out. You know, it's like, uh, uh, what's the one where it's like Soylent Green is people. Uh, it's Soylent Green. Yeah. It's mm. just called Soylent Green. It's, it's called, called Soylent Green. Green. It's the last line I love the movie. And, uh, you spoiled it for everybody. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> spoiler alert. I watched that movie. Uh, and I got into like Charlton Heston for like a minute and was just like watching a bunch of movies. But I watched that movie. Did you watch Omega Man? I did. And that's like my favorite of the movies that he's made, probably. I love that movie. Uh, One but, of my favorite podcasts. They love that scene where he his phone rings. And he's like, hello? Who is this? Who are you? Who's calling? Like, Because he's like one of the only people in the world. Right. They do a great Heston impression. They do. A, they, uh, they've, that same show has covered Masters of the Universe. And so every time Dolph Lundgren in this movie says, Wildor, like I, I like was laughing because <laughs> they've said that so many times. They're like, Gwildor, what are you doing? <laughs> Gwildor. Is his name Gwildor? Is his name Gwildor? Yeah. There's, there's a running joke on that show, too, where they did so much Gwildor that the joke eventually evolved, and then now they do bits where Gwildor is like a uh, cop that's on the edge, where he's like, just fucking plant drugs on him. Like, and so now I'm, I'm like watching this movie through this really weird lens. But anyway, yeah, sci-fi. I mean, Michael, especially since it's your first time on the show, I'd love to at least pick your brain a little bit about some of the stuff that like you really like. I never ask people like what their favorite movie is, but I, I love for people to, like the audience to sort of like, get a taste of like what you're into. Uh, um, I don't know if anybody really wants to get into that. Um, <laughs> the but, burbs. Uh, I, I mean, I like the burbs. My, I mean, my biggest guilty pleasure, I think it's one of the greatest movies of all time is the movie Tremors. Sure. Um, it's a good I, I've covered I mean, it for the show. It, I know. I wanted to do it for this. I was so mad when I saw you already did it. Uh, I could talk about that for hours. Um, I mean, hey, please drop your Tremors hot takes. Um, it's uh, it's the greatest B-movie of all time. I mean, the effects, the practical effects that they did in that uh, and how they did it was just, uh, it was awesome. Uh, the, and the fact that they got the, actor, the acting power. Um, to do that little movie that wasn't supposed to be anything. Oh, sure. Like the, um, the cast is just stacked. Mm-hmm. And Kevin Bacon did it, you know, and they're like, hey, you want to do this? And he's like, well, no one else is calling. So, yes, I'm in. <laughs> um, you know, even Finn Carter, who she's had a, a rough go since that movie. Um, you know, Fred Ward, you know, who's no longer with us as well. Oh, like, man. it's just. That, that was, uh, that was like uh, one of the more like crushing celebrity deaths of like the past few years. Like, 
especially since not just people are people don't think of Fred Ward as much, but I'm like, he's such an underrated actor. Oh, Val and Earl. Oh, what, a, what a great <laughs> duo. I mean, it's just, they're, they're awesome. Uh, I mean, it just, uh, there's so many one-liners from that. I just, all the way through high school, I just, I quoted all the time. A <laughs> friend and I, we would watch it almost every other weekend. Um, we At just, what it, point in the series do you give up? I never. Never? You watch them all? I've, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, if we're going to talk hot takes, I think five is the second best one. Uh, I, I do yeah, think really? I, I think I've heard. Yeah. That. I think I've heard. I've that. only seen the first three. <laughs> um, yeah, the, the third one is is just it, the third one's okay. I would agree. Yeah, the fifth one uh, is definitely the, the second best. I think. Well, there's a lot to be said about movies that know what they are. Like mm-hmm. Tremors does not pretend to be anything that it is not. No, and it embraces what it is, and it's fun. Like mm-hmm. B movie, I don't necessarily consider it like a bad term. You know, like I there's I mean, and you guys have even more than I have traveled in those circles where people make their bones off B, C, and even D mm-hmm. <laughs> movies, whatever you want to call them. And like, there's a lot of fun to be had to embracing schlock and fun and just being like, yeah, there's like worms and they're like fighting us and we shoot them and stuff. It's fun. <laughs> I, I don't remember who, whose quote this is, but somebody was referring to B movies and someone, um, it was a, a bigger actor and they were on it in an interview and, and they said, what do you think about being in B movies? And they're like, they're called B movies cause they're still better than most. <laughs> so I, you know, I, that's I, good... I, I agree with that. <laughs> Tremors is, is a great, uh, great. It's funny. Cause, cause I was, I think the reason it was on my mind was because you, Luke, you said that you had reviewed something. And so when I pulled up your profile, you're like cover photos, like from Tremors. I yep, think. It's, yeah. It's, so, it's so, one of my all time favorites as well. So like double Tremors super fans is yeah. it's just, I guess it's a shame. I covered that one. Uh, mm-hmm. I watched a whole breakdown recently on like force perspective shots in movies and tremors has a couple of really big ones in it that are pretty awesome. Like, like when the, the worm comes out of the, out of the Canyon side, mm-hmm. that shot is like, they're using the Hollywood, like, or like the universal studios. They're like on top of the building of the, oh. of the studio lot is where they're standing and they built a Canyon side. And then like there's that where their position is like on a platform that's like stacked on top of the building. So you're seeing the Canyon and then they're actually way far behind it, but it's I'll have to look that. I, I, I it's really cool. That. Uh, it's super cool. Nice. I was trying to remember the country star that was in it. it was, and I was like, oh, Reba. I was like, is it Reba? I was like, is it Reba? And she I was like, wrote the song for the, yeah. for the credits. She's got <laughs> she the elephant the song. I, yeah. She was on my mind because I had a random bout where I just, uh, I got really into the voice for two seconds, like a, a month or two ago. Oh. And then like, she's a new judge on there. So mm-hmm. I was like, she had this like 16 year old, like, a girl on her team and she's like this amazing fucking country singer and she's like singing Reba songs and like everybody's <laughs> crying and I was like oh my god yeah. it's so good uh, <laughs> I take it from another side I mean I, I, I do love Tremors but not to start a whole new conversation but um, probably my, my favorite of all time is Shawshank Redemption really and a lot of people you know kind of trash that movie a little bit and I think it's only because it's popular just like nobody likes the Chiefs right now because they're popular but uh, they're, they're winners <laughs> but um <laughs> It's, uh, you know, I, I think Shawshank's amazing. And if you don't like it, well, eat a dick. Cause I think it's awesome. Yeah. That's, um, uh, <clears throat> I've yet to sit down and watch that from beginning to end. Really? Yeah. I, the problem is that's one of those movies that's so in the zeitgeist. It's hard to parse through. Like it's one of those movies. It's like, I've seen like every other scene from it already. It's like, <laughs> yeah, the old man who can't live in society anymore. And then he like. Spoilers for Shawshank, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> it's an incredibly popular movie, but it's like, and then he hangs himself or he's like, he came out clean. And 
Andy Dufresne and all, all that stuff. It's a, so that's something I run into with this show a lot though, where I watch something for the show that's been parodied to death. And sometimes it's kind of hard to go back. And uh, like when I did 48 hours for the show recently, they have a CEO who's like, God damn it, Nick Nolte, you're a loose cannon, but you're one of our best cops. And I was like, holy fuck. And I was like, well, this is like one of the movies that kind of started that trend though, but it's like hard to retroactively take it seriously. Cause like they literally cast that same guy in like last action hero to do the same role. It's like, mm-hmm. God damn it, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, it just happens a lot where things have been iterated on and parodied to death where it's like, if I think of Shawshank, it's, doesn't take long for me to start thinking of like family guy jokes and stuff. <laughs> for sure. I, it is, I mean, it is parodied a lot, but you know, parody is the ultimate. I was just watching it the other day and my wife came into the room. She's like, are you watching Shawshank Redemption? And I'm like, yeah. And then she sat down and watched it with me. She was just like, oh, I've seen this forever. <laughs> well, it's like, I, I, I remember one of my most confusing moments was uh, when I did Raising Arizona for the show and they like came out of the mud and I was like, is it, I was like, I thought this was from Shawshank. I'm like, does he not come out of the mud in Shawshank or is that like, is this a parody of that or is like, was there, is it, or am I thinking this is the movie that this is from? I was like so confused when that happened. Uh, Cause I always thought like when family guy did it, that it was a Shawshank reference and not a raising Arizona. Yeah, reference. I don't know. Family guy hits everything. So <laughs> that, no, it's like a, that's one of the, uh, I always like, I love Stephen King, but it's like a lot of his best adaptations have, almost fuck all to do with them. <laughs> it's like, there's like a Venn diagram where it's like, it's how far away is Stephen King from this movie is like adjacent to like how good the movie probably is. Am I crazy? That's a, that's a Stephen King short that they Shawshank. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah right. Cause I was getting, I'm like, I'm like Shawshank green mile. And obviously the shining there. It's like any movie that he's kind of bashed is like probably a good movie. And then you get stuff like maximum overdrive where he's like, coked out of his fucking mind the whole time and he's just like acdc is gonna be the whole soundtrack uh, <laughs> nothing wrong with that no. the, the truck's gonna have a goblin face uh, he's got like an interestingly high-pitched voice i, lo- I love stephen king <laughs> i used to love that movie as a kid because it was the green goblin on the front of that, that truck i like that movie a lot too emilio and just like emilio <laughs> uh but yeah i guess i don't know uh I could probably talk to you guys about movies for forever, but we should probably just get into masters of the universe. I think there's been some accusations bandied about as to who's responsible for this episode in the first place. And I would like to go on the defense and say, Michael presented me with like four movies, three of which I'd seen. Uh, so I was like, well, let's do the one we haven't seen. But uh, I mean, I think this is a, this movie very much qualifies in terms of like criteria for the show, because it's like a pretty infamous movie. It's like, I mean, I don't know. I guess I don't know how how popular or how many people have actually seen it. It's like, I've always known of its existence. I've just never sat down and watched it. But I'd love to talk to you guys about like both your histories with the movie. As far as I understand, Michael maybe is the only person that's seen it before today. Uh, but also like if you guys have any strong feelings about like the cartoon and all that stuff, like I don't, I have one extreme, Not it's not even a hot take, but I have like one hot take as far as that whole universe is concerned, but I'd love to talk to you guys about just your masters of the universe, like history. Well, I, I grew up with it. Uh, I mean, I was, I have, I have the figures. I still have all those original figures to this day. Wow. Actually. Um, when the, the movie came out, I mean, of course I was pumped because it was He-Man 
Um, but they definitely took a lot of liberties with it. Um, so in that sense, even as a, as a child, when I saw it, I was kind of slightly disappointed because I'm like, this isn't the He-Man that I know. I mean, he looks awesome. He looks like He-Man. He doesn't exactly sound like He-Man. Um, what? I sound just like He-Man. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, and, the, and I hated it, that they brought it to Earth. You know, I wanted it all to take place in Eternia. But, you know, those you don't know all the inside. Um, of what's happening with that movie or what it took to make that movie. Uh, as was, a child, you just wanted to look the way you wanted to look. It was a real thing. And like, the, I was funny watching this movie because I do feel like for a while when we would like adapt properties, the first move would be like, how do we get some kids in this? And how do we make it take place on earth? Even if it takes place in like a fantasy land. And I get that for this movie in particular, it was probably majority for budget reasons, I would assume. But it is a little exhausting sometimes to be like, here's this world where it's Grayskull and this whole fantasy land. And they were like, yeah, you'll get like 25 minutes of that. And then the other like hour is going to be them in like a music shop in New uh, Jersey, <laughs> which is like, this is where they came up with the idea for Barbie. It's <laughs> <laughs> going to the real world. Yeah. <laughs> Shit costs money. Uh, but Both Mattel, right? Yeah. Both Mattel. Yes. <laughs> well, it's hard to be precious about the cartoon because this is very much an era where this and GI Joe and all that stuff were those cartoons, those cartoons were originally conceived to sell toys. Like they didn't give a shit, but then like eventually what probably happens is you get people who are good at writing stuff and directing stuff will work on those shows and you'll get cool GI Joe episodes that like have some like interesting moral lessons in them where it's like, wow, I can't believe this show that was made to sell action figures. Like, Transformers was the other one I was trying to pull where mm. it's like, and, be, and then you grow up with them and you remember them fondly, but I'm like, it's not a show that I watched a lot, but it is like, there is established lore, like chief amongst them being that he man is like a, the entire thing with his characters. He's like a man who lives in duality because he's Prince Adam who becomes he man. And this movie was like, fuck that. Uh, like we're, <laughs> we're not touching that. Uh, he doesn't transform. Yeah. Uh, which is like, which also seems like such an easy in. Well, it seems like an easy thing they could have done, like for him to be on Earth. Yeah, he could and be, like he's stuck he, wearing that that outfit the whole time, and that was like the complaint from the actor the entire movie. And it's like you could just throw a pink shirt on him, call him Adam for a little while. <laughs> well, it's also like if you really wanted to like make it on Earth, like could easily just rework it into like a Shazam story, where it's like a sixteen year old kid finds the sword and becomes fucking Dolph Lundgren. But then that, that, <laughs> that totally changes the lore. And I don't, I don't think they wanted to go that much because it was based off of the, the, even the comic then or the, you know, the, the cartoon and the, and the toys. And they made the movie because the toy was starting to fail. Yeah. Um, you know, what was it? It made 400 million or something the year before. And then by the time the movie came out that year, it made 7 million. So <laughs> it was hurting. And they made this movie hoping that it was going to save um, that, that, that toy series. And that's why when you look at the characters and one of the reasons I was disappointed as a child is some of my favorite baddies, uh, are not in it. I mean, yeah, they have yeah. Beastman, but then they've got this core guy or whoever, you know, <laughs> with a bad mullet. And I'm like, this or as I put evil Grinch because <laughs> yeah, he looks like Grinch that's just burned evil Grinch. That's, he's, that's a really evil Grinch. Grinch is like a yeah, traditionally evil yeah, character. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he's so lame. I guess on set, they called him the evil Hitler or the, or the you know, the, um, but he, uh, I couldn't believe I, the, so the reptile guy gets fucking smoked. Oh, like he's, the, he's the coolest guy. One. <laughs> coolest they one. screwed up. They, that, that could have sold. I would have bought that figure. I was looking at the wiki article and it did say like, uh, 
these are like the other main bad guys that you always saw on the show. And then they just didn't use them. I don't remember them offhand, but, and then also like merman trap jaw trap jaw. Yes. Uh, but they did have every, you know, intention to make a sequel though. Yes. So they were probably saving some of those characters. Well, they also, they, I, I saw an interview with Gary, with Gary Goddard and he was talking about the choices to do that, to use those characters. Um, or not to use them. And they just said these characters that they chose one, they chose new characters because they wanted to make new toys. Uh, but the other reason is, is like trap jaw and some of these others, you know, like Orko's not in it. It's, you know, it's all money saving. Yeah. Gwildor essentially jumps mm-hmm. in to sort of serve the Orko role, but it is like kind of devastating when it's like Orko's like such a classic character in the universe. Mm-hmm. And even as someone who doesn't watch that show, I know who Orko is like, but it's like, well, we couldn't make this flying goblin man so we just like put a guy in like weird like hobbit makeup kind of and, uh, and that's the guy now <laughs> but you know with, with 17 million dollars they can uh, create a crap draw but there's a guy who cosplays as a horror hound every year and it's dead on so <laughs> i don't know <laughs> yeah it's one of those things um you know speaking of goddard i was like who is this guy and i looked up his history it's like the only movie he ever directed everything else is like theme park ride videos that mm-hmm. he made um, I was pretty, uh, lukewarm on this movie in general. And I did feel like I get let off the hook a little bit cause Goddard got in some real hot water later in his career. He's been accused of a lot of misconduct and other things. Uh, he was running around in the same circles as Brian Singer and all that stuff. So I feel okay when I say that one of the major flaws of this movie is it's directed like shit. Uh, like I, I do think that in the hands of a more capable director with this cast and with these sets, you probably could have squeezed more out of it. Whereas it's like some of the shot choices were like baffling at times. It's like, we know Dolph Lundgren can move. And yet almost every time he's like swinging his sword, it's cut together in this bizarre way. <laughs> There's all these close-ups uh, of his chest in the midst of all the fighting. It's like, why are you shooting it like I this? Love it. I mean, uh, I, I will say, I mean, that he was, well, it, early thirties, 33 or something like that. When he directed this, I mean, cra- crazy young for to, to be thrown into this, you know? Well, yeah. Movie. I, I mean, I heard that like, uh, Mattel was supposed to fund half the movie and they just didn't even give them money. Uh, like, well, the, actually the Canon didn't give them the money. Mattel actually had to, because Mattel was like, if it's still going to happen and they've already put all this money in, uh, Goddard actually helped pay for the end of it as well. So they were, it was 17 million, but if you look, it says it's 22 million. Yeah. But that last five million was more from Mattel and more and Goddard throwing. Well, in. What's kind of funny is like if people have seen the movie. By the way, big spoilers for Masters of the Universe. Uh, but the final fight was like they hadn't shot it yet, and they'd like right. kind of run out of money. But then the final fight was kind of one of my more favorite it's parts. Like, yeah, it's cool because they were forced to get creative with it. It mm-hmm. actually added some like it just made it. They made it interesting by like darkening the set and having it be so dreamy and stuff. I was like, well, this is kind of fun. That was him <laughs> thinking ahead. He knew. So they told him he had one day left uh, to film and they had not filmed the big fight scene. And if you look at the, the set, uh, it's all these different levels because they wanted to have this Earl Flynn, you know, yep. fight sequence. And so they, you know, they created all these levels and all these things to do that. Uh, and then when they're like, okay, you have, you have today to film and then tomorrow we're tearing the set down. So <laughs> he was like, well, what can we do that we could go back and do something later? So they're like, let's shut all the lights off and we'll put a color wheel in the back and, and have this effect. And he's like, and if we can't be on this set, we could go to a sound studio and yep. do the, make the same look. That's cool. Um, That's so a, that is a good idea. So he was just thinking ahead of what he could do. And they actually pulled the money together 
Um, so the, the scene at the very, so the, the movie actually stops when he breaks the staff and then you see Skeletor. That's all they filmed on that day. And then they had to come back with them later. And you can kind of tell the film is slightly different. It's when Skeletor is kind of beaten and then he pulls the sword out from under his, you know, his, his cloak. That whole sequence up until he falls was what they added. They didn't have an ending. And um, the producers from Canon, when they saw the original, what they had, they're like, it's great. It's, it's the end. I, you know, I, I totally buy it. You, <laughs> he, they beat Skeletor. And he's like, that's not an end. That's not a conclusion. You know? So he, he really fought and put his own money into it to, to, to make that happen. And actually, the, the end where Skeletor, I can't remember. Oh, he was supposed to go off into space. And so they did film that. Um, and so him falling into the pit was actually supposed to be him going off into space, but they used that. They already had that, what do they call it? The, the mat painting or the mat of, of that hole where somebody else was supposed to fall into yeah. it. So they used that mat at the end, um, since they didn't have the space one, um, to use and to throw Skeletor off. So it was, it was really <laughs> a matter of him just, what do I have left to make this, to make this work? So. Uh, as a beginning director and some of the, some of the choices that he made, I, I actually think he, he did the best he possibly could. Um, is it the greatest movie? No. Um, <laughs> could somebody else done better? Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, listening to him talk and, and other, you know, interviews with other people and the things that he did try to pull off. I mean, just thinking ahead of the game, knowing that he wasn't going to have enough time to film that end. Sure. What can we do? That's, that's some quick thinking. Um, cause you know, we've, we've been on, we've all been on sets where we've run out of money or time Yeah, and it's like, what can you do? Well, and I will also say just from a directing standpoint, we were kind of talking about this on the way up today, but I think he's also given a lead actor that looks the part, mm -hmm. but can't really act the part yeah. and doesn't have probably the emotional range that he needs. I mean, he looks hella good. I mean, you put him in that costume and you have an upshot of his muscular sweaty body and he looks like an 80s action hero. He looks exactly mm -hmm. like you want him to look to be He-Man. Um, but, you know, I, I kind of said it was akin to how I feel about John Wick movies right now, where you're there to see John Wick beat the shit out of a whole bunch of guys. And, you know, you give Keanu Reeves not much dialogue, but you don't need that dialogue. So I think he was, he was put in a position where he has Dolph Lundgren, who dialogue-wise, you probably don't really want to hold on to a lot of what's going on there. So instead he figures a way to cut around it and find ways to make it look cool and not have the awkward emotional beats that Dolph just couldn't really hit. It's tough. Uh, I read that, uh, or no, I watched a, sh a very short video that apparently the plan was like almost always to like just dub him in post. And then they just like kind of decided like, ah, we don't really have the money and like, fuck it. He, He's got something, I guess we'll just like stick with his reads or whatever, but it's tough because, uh, this is very early in Dolph's career. This is very mm -hmm. like, I think he's still not quite learned English yet. Right. He's a, he's a very tough figure because like people love, I mean, everyone's that knows anything about Dolph Lundgren knows this, but he's like genius level intellect. Uh, like he's like a fucking chemist or whatever. He's got like degrees. He's a doctor. So, but the problem is you see him in these American movies where he doesn't know English that well. So people like kind of think of him as like a dumb action guy, but it's just cause like, he just doesn't know the language that well. He's like a very intelligent person. I, I didn't, I wouldn't have guessed that Rocky four was before this, but I guess it yeah. was. That's what um, they saw him in that. And that's what, yeah. 
But Rocky Four obviously utilizes him perfectly because he talks like twice <laughs> and then he says one word, I must break him. And you're just like, okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, whereas in this movie, he's, uh, it's funny that you mentioned John Wick because there was a moments in this movie where I was, I was getting real point break Keanu vibes from the way Dolph was talking, which is like, I am an FBI agent. And Dolph's just like, Wildor, we have to get out of here. <laughs> and it's like, like it, it's brutal. Cause like, they have him do the, I have the power line in this movie and it's so bad. And it's like, it's like such an iconic line. And I was waiting for it the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> I, I definitely wrote it down on my notes both times. He said it. I was like, oh, there it is. <laughs> they, they wait. So it, it actually fits when he finally said, cause he gets the sword. But the thing is like, because they did away with all the Prince Adam shit, it doesn't like, really make sense. Yeah. yeah that, that was always his, it, that was his Shazam. Like he yes. says like, I, by the power of Grayskull, like I have the power. Like you're supposed to like hit the power like long, and he hits it so short in this movie. He's just like, I have the power. And you're like, no, what the fuck? <laughs> they, they put some reverb on that. <laughs> but he's like, you, have, you just have to stretch it out, like the power. Uh, but I mean, he's stunning looking in this movie. Obviously, they clearly tried to truncate the amount of times he needed to emote or speak, which is mm-hmm. it's fine. You know, we have our the thing is, like, our, our 80s movies are rife with these kinds of figures. Like, never really had an issue with, like, you just kind of buy in. It's like, yes, Arnold Schwarzenegger is not the widest-ranged actor of all time. He was a bodybuilder that we started putting in movies. But, you know, I, I talk all the time on the show where it's like you just find people that are compelling on camera. I think Dolph's got it to a certain extent. Um, there's plenty of movies he's in that I quite like him in. Um, well, and he's on record saying that this is one of the least favorite roles he ever played. But it's probably because he's in a position where he does feel like he's portrayed in a way that's not real intelligent. And yeah, kind and of. He also he also was told before that they couldn't they couldn't find a stunt double big enough to to be his body type, which was a lie. <laughs> they just didn't want to pay for a stunt double, right. so he had to, he had to do all of his own stunts in the entire movie, and so he's you know he's doing all the physicality and well, and as an actor, you are like so you have all you can do is just trust the people that are making the film to not make you look bad. And it's like, yeah, well you did this movie and now you look goofy as shit on your little flying saucer thing where you're just going, Whoa. And like you're shooting your little laser gun. And it's like, it's like no actor can make that look cool. Like it's not Dolph Lundgren's fault. <laughs> the live shots on that though. He was strapped to the top of a, like a truck. Uh, uh, I, I loved like how much they, they weren't showing like the actual disc and like the close-ups yeah. where they're just kind of like... They said they're traveling like 60 to 80 miles an hour down the road just to try and get the air to blow on him, right? And I'm like, well, you've got to have some strength to stay on him. Yeah. <laughs> Could have just put a big fan there. Yeah. You know, he, uh, probably. But, I mean, well, we don't, we don't want to pay for that. That's... Yeah. <laughs> I think it's the first one cast. I mean, when, when Goddard got the movie, they were like, you're directing, but you have to direct it with him. But I now, and somebody who's listening that, you know, whatever, if somebody wants to call me out on this, but from what I understand was when he was cast, he was cast as He-Man. Um, but I'm looking at my notes. So Robert McNeil, who plays Kevin, uh, was originally cast as Adam. And then when they cut okay. Adam from the movie, they said, what are we going to do with him? And they, cause they liked him as an actor. So when they created the Kevin character, he fell into that. So that was the, the original concept when it was supposed to take place on Eternia. And then when they moved it to earth. One of, All that changed. one of the biggest journeys I had watching this movie was my journey, my relationship with Kevin in the movie. Because like the second he pops up on screen, I was like, oh man, 
this is tough. I was like, he doesn't got it. And then like, I was like, just another pretty blonde guy that they were trying to make work. But then as the movie goes on, I was kind of like, maybe he does got it. Like, I kind of don't mind him actually. <laughs> I, I hated him the whole time. <laughs> I hated his character. <laughs> He's just annoying. Well, He's really annoying. Like, I, I, I love the, the, the emotional ride that you go on with the, what's the key called? It's the cosmic key. Cosmic, cosmic, cosmic key. key. Yeah. The cosmic, cosmic key. key. <laughs> he like, he finds it and he's like, this is one of those Japanese synthesizers. And he like takes it. It's an eighties movie with synthesizer about a synthesizer. Yeah. And, and the problem is, is solved with perfect pitch. But he like gives her, he like, he like, he like talks down to her. Like, this is a Japanese, like, you don't know. You don't know what this is. Like, I know what this is. And then he like goes and he like, plays at the school and he's like, I'm gonna go take this to Charlie. Take he, to Charlie and she's like, Charlie, we think it's Charlie's like, that's a Japanese synthesizer. He's like, no, it's not. <laughs> he, he decides so quick. I wrote that down. I, I have that in my notes. It's just like he decides so fast that it's not a synthesizer, but I mean look at it. <laughs> it's clearly not a synthesizer. It takes the police officer to tell him the truth. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, my favorite part of the whole movie is right in that scene. I just I don't say this because it's a stupid little thing. I rewound it like three times because I laughed so hard. <laughs> which is when the police and everybody drive past and they're they're like, oh, we go check that out. And then he turns and he grabs the largest radio I've ever seen. It's like a big ass fucking like like it's huge. It has an antenna on the top of it. Like you think they're going to go out the door and he just reaches off camera and pulls out what it looks like. It's so large. Like, go go look at that. It's it's I, sh- I wish I should have screen grabbed it. <laughs> um, but yes, you know, speaking about the cast, uh, I think. The people, the people probably mostly talk about Frank Langella in this movie. He seems to be like the one that people come back to over and over. He was very, Frank was apparently very enthusiastic about the role. His kid was like really into He-Man at the time. So he's like, fuck yeah, I'll take the role. He's doing his best. Um, I think he's great. I think he's, I think great. he's great. I'm going to say, <laughs> I will fight you on this. <laughs> no, no, I think he's good. But this is, a, this is getting into some of my issues with the movie is like from a story standpoint, the movie's like messy as hell. Like we've got, you get a double whammy, right? Of we're starting the Eternia thing in the most baffling place you could start it in where it's like Skeletor has like one already, I guess, but He-Man's still loose. We're never really told why He-Man's so important or why he's so strong, but it's just, it's really important that He-Man is like bows to Skeletor. And so we're just like forced to accept all of that right off the bat. And then what I think is the double whammy of the movie is once we go to earth, we are introduced to, is it Julie Courtney Cox's yeah. character? Mm-hmm. You have Julie and Kevin and their relationship is starting in the most baffling place. You could start a relationship in a movie where it's like they are doing well, but Julie can't seem to get over the fact that her parents died. So she's leaving, even though she's still in high school it's, it's, and has no parents. There's an <laughs> element of the, of the introduction of just who Kevin is, right? Cause like she's leaving because her parents died. And, and if you, if you, if you catch the like little bit of dialogue in that they died because they went on a plane ride, like his, her dad's a pilot. Oh, to, to, to Catalina. Yeah, so, so, oh, so really, really quick. I just, to the say, wine mixer. I just, I just want to say, I, she said there was a, they say plane crash. So I think, oh, they were on a plane. I screamed out loud when it's revealed that they were on a private plane that her father was yeah. driving. I screamed when that happened. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? I was like, they, they, but, it was just them in the plane. But, but she says, she says, she says that they, she felt guilty, like responsible for the death because she was supposed to go with them, but she didn't. 
So that because she can hang she, out with Kevin. So she can hang out with Kevin. <laughs> so she like and Kevin and then she she explains this. That she gets in the van with Kevin. She gets in the van with Kevin, and and she's like, you know, he's like, oh, when's your when's your bus? And she's like, eight o'clock. He's like, so you can like make it to my gig, right? I'm like, like she's leaving you forever. What is happening? Like, what is this relationship? But he's like being a real dick about it. And I'm like, last time she out there, her parents fucking died. <laughs> <laughs> but it's also like. uh you're introduced to the concept of Kevin because she's talking to her fellow waitress who uh, is eating a chicken wing the whole time, like, like in a close-up. Who looks exactly like a knockoff <laughs> version of Linda Hamilton, uh, and then she's like, "You, you're dumb for breaking up with Kevin." She's like, "I just have to break up with Kevin," which I guess by the end of the movie, if you wanted, like, it is in the. I guess she her relationship with Kevin has been tainted by her parents' death, but it's like just such an odd sub. Like it's such a. It, she has a really good arc, though. Like, or maybe the only arc in the movie. So, it's fine. where her parents get to be alive again. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's also like, uh, like the moment, like, God, the moment when Evil Lynn, which is a great name, of course, Evil Lynn. Uh, Love but, it. But when Evil Lynn poses as her mom, and they're like in the middle of a war zone fight, and Julie's like, "My mom," and like runs. Up. Hey, she's a teenage girl in high school. Yeah, yeah. It's the eighties. Come on. I will I will say in a movie where like this movie is really fun to watch because you this is like a the cast is very like they either have it or they don't and like Courtney Cox has it and like uh, Frank Langella has it and then like Tila is like eh, I don't know what's going on there and weirdly I think the guy I think the guy that I think the guy is like that plays Man at Arms has a couple you could tell he's, they, he's not bad. I think Man at Arms he's, I think he they, looks great too, they right? give him a couple moments where he has to do these like big gravitas scenes and it feels like they were looking at the cast and were like I think this guy's the only one that could actually handle talking to Julie like in a serious moment because he's he's the only one with gravitas in this I group. do have a couple just because I'm not super familiar with the like the comics or the the show or like this is my first introduction that I can remember of anything in this world. Oh, really? Yeah. So, for him as a character, does he not have a real name? He says his name. He what, said, he, Man he, of Arms. Yeah. Uh, he, he does have a real name. He says his name, and then he says he says it right after he says, okay. I'm, "I'm this." Yeah. His name's like fucking. He Derek, just they Derek just kept saying that over and over again. I'm just like, man, that's so many syllables for a person to that's, say that's over and over again. <laughs> right. And the other question I have about the toy, I guess, or the character in the animated series is. Does the helmet have a chin strap that's under his chin, or does it dangle like that the entire time, like it does in the movie? No, he, it doesn't. I don't. I don't think. I don't remember. Because he he acts like it's actively annoying him that it keeps like hitting him. <laughs> he moves it on multiple occasions. I'm just like, you have a strap on your helmet, just. But yeah. it, it's <laughs> probably one of those things because everything was made so cheap. They probably made it. It was probably supposed to, and then early on it broke because they, they, they just didn't fix it. Because mm-hmm, there was a lot of things where they it was they would have to, especially in the fight sequences, like the sword, like between Blade and, and right. E-Man, that their outfits, like Blades, like all his hardware kept breaking off and yeah. they had to stop reset. <laughs> so it wouldn't surprise me. I don't know. Yeah, but it probably broke at some yeah, point. Just, and they just never. It was just one of those things. It's just like a, it felt like a constant annoyance for the actor. So I just wondered if it was part of like the lore of the yeah, character. I, don't, I, know. I, th- I think they're stuck. Like, like the He-Man sword is like one of the most like iconic swords oh, yeah. in like pop culture. And it looks like fucking shit in this totally. movie. And it's like, it's, yeah. it's like Michael said, like I get it. Things were probably different in the eighties and it's not as easy to like get foam and 3d print shit, but it's like, that's like an iconic sword and you guys couldn't make it not I mean, look like a, like a there's children's no, There's toy. no excuse really. I mean, Star no. Wars also came out. 
yeah. you know, however many, like yeah. 10 years before this. It's one of those things. And they have lightsabers. <laughs> it's one of those things it's where true. it's like, uh, yes, the CG in Jurassic Park does hold up and it's insane that a movie in 2000 can't do it. But it's like, but then you have master directors like Spielberg who know how to like effectively utilize that. It had a budget for it too. Yeah. Well, yes. and, a, and, and the team that made Star Wars. And, and support from, <laughs> yeah, you know, your, your studios are actually giving you the money they promised. And, the, the sword yeah. is a good point. To, but there's so many things in the movie they could have cut to have a better sword. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know about that. Well, it's, it's, well what's, what's tough it, it is, is perfect as it is. <laughs> so again, I'm, I hated this movie so much, but I, fi- I found myself loving it. Because I, I I watched it like half of it, and but my kids were in the house and we're running around, and, I, and the movie's like really low, like the sound is yeah, weirdly yeah, is. just kind of rests really low. So I I stopped it and I was like, I'm gonna come back to this later. And when I came back to it, I was like 40 minutes into it. And when I came back to it, I just started from the beginning again because I just had not really paid attention to that first four minutes. But but when I came back to it, I was like really like like I don't know about this. <laughs> but then I just like I don't know this on the second viewing. It, there's something about that just clicked and there was like a charm about the whole thing that I really grew to appreciate the further it went along. Mm-hmm. I will, there was about three quarters of the way where I found myself kind of dicking around my phone for a minute. And then it was like, I was like, ah, I'm not really paying attention anymore. But then the, the, the final fight and everything like brought me all back into it. I mean, a lot of people, you know, they refer to movies. They're so bad. They're good. I think this is one of those. And I know some people hate that term, but I actually, there, there's a lot of good stuff. I think it is entertaining. But like us sitting around and like little moments where you can laugh at them, um, I think the makers go back and they watch it and they laugh at the silliness of like, oh, if we could have done this better or we would like to have done it better. It's not the sake of they made a really shitty film and people are just making fun of them. This is a case of they really tried and there's some good stuff there that if they could have done it differently, they would have. I can relate to that. Um, <laughs> it's so, just, I think we all can. There's, there's just so many movies that are made and, and during the time they're like, Oh, I'm making this brilliant movie. And you know, we, we, we work with lots of them and they, you know, and then when it's all said and done, they're like, see how great it is. And I'm like, ah, yeah, it's, it's good. But it's, you know. it's just like, uh, I'm not precious about the series, but it's like, if I see he man on the cover. I'm like, cool sword fights. That'll be fun. And then you watch this movie and it's, a lot of him ducking behind cover. Well, shooting, I, I shooting would say gun. that the, as far as the animated series is concerned, it's not really a lot of sword fights. It's a lot of really weird vehicles. There's a lot of that, which we don't get. We, we get some of that. In oh the yeah. Movie, the, but we don't another, get like, that's another egregious miss is a battle cat. Nowhere to be yeah. seen. How one. do you do that though? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, that's I a money that. issue. Just, just get a tiger. And the, <laughs> like uh, all the vehicles were like animal shaped or whatever. Yeah. You that's know, a, that's so. what they did in a uh, beast master. They just painted a tiger black. It probably died because you're not supposed to paint a tiger black. But, <laughs> <laughs> but you see, like, I think this is for me as an introduction to this world. I mean, like one of the notes that I had was when he comes out basically on like a Everglades airship on a giant cobra <laughs> throne. I'm like, that's fucking bitching. Like, it's cool looking yeah. because I mean, I don't know what you the, you the ships to... are supposed to look like. I wrote down, I want to go back to the time where all of our ships just look like helmets. You got to remember that every single thing about He-Man, every single decision made is like, what does a 10 year old boy think is awesome? Mm-hmm. That's every decision is made. That's well, I'm right. 32 and a lot of these decisions <laughs> I thought were pretty awesome. I thought it was interesting that the throne room of Chris of Castle Grayskull looks just like Skeletor's ship. So when he's sitting on scale on his <laughs> yeah. ship, yeah. why does it look like same art director? Yeah, yeah. There, there's yeah. a there's a shot there's a <laughs> shot that's supposed to be like triumphant where they show Castle Grayskull through the 
crystal at the end and crystal uh, crystal uh castle grayskull is horrifying looking yeah, yeah. it looks like a villain lair and you're i'm like well that's, that's how it is at the beginning of the film it starts with a matte painting yeah and it pushes in and then you wouldn't know that it's supposed to be the good guy's place right but, then, but, but all the characters are walking through and then it's another matte painting of like a giant white of the inside but the characters in the middle are moving it's all you know but it's all yep. matte painting around mm-hmm. it but then when they actually are in the room, you go, this room's actually really small. Yeah. <laughs> like throughout the rest of the movie, it's, it's a gorgeous set. Don't yeah, get me it wrong. Is. It's, it's a, it is a gorgeous set, but they establish it with this big mat wide of the inside of the place. And then that was like in my head throughout the whole thing. And that first scene, they shoot it pretty smart. They don't show in like the back of the room. But when He-Man makes it in there, they do a full follow him in 360 of the room. And it is small yeah. <laughs> I mean, they they opened up two studios so they actually you walk right so when you're walking on that you actually have to walk outside for a while you know you walk then it continues yeah they 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 it's my understanding that they actually took a wall down between the two of them mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. make it yeah, yeah. so it's still too. i mean it's still huge and it's still yeah. awesome i mean it's basically just a walkway and then it's all matte painting on the side um it's but, funny uh something that really cracks me up about the movie though is like i'm curious if like the writer and the director how much of a handle they had on their own mythos that they were establishing in this movie, because this movie is not very clear about who has what sort of power set or what any of the technology actually does. It's just like, they're just like, let's just, (laughs) let's just put lights on a thing. And that's a thing. Yeah. Uh, It's like, which is, which is charming. Can we talk Uh, about Marty McFly's, uh, uh, principal? Yeah. Oh, oh, Louis. <laughs> yeah. Because when he gets his hands on that key and he's all like, he's playing it, like there's an element to where when everybody else touches it, they're like physically like trying to push the buttons and acting like it. He's mm-hmm. just like, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I really thought he was about to break into song. Like he hit like the first three keys and like they were kind of like a chord. And I was just like, this guy is about to just rip something out of this thing that's going to be crazy. I mean, do but, you, like he's obviously fun in the movie, but. Uh, like if I'm looking at that script, that's the first character I'm cutting. <laughs> like he's such a useless character and he stays, he hangs yeah. out with everybody. He's, and he's so annoying. And uh, he is the same character as in back to the future. I, I was almost yeah. crying laughing at the end when it just cuts to him in the throne room being like, so you're staying. Yeah. I, I'm God's great here. I got this woman that I, I met this off hot screen. Girl next to me. Yeah. <laughs> it's the? like, he worked fast. Yeah, he did. <laughs> I'm like, what's the time lapse on that? Yeah, yeah. I was like, I don't think they've been there for long. I mean, I think Julie and Kevin are wearing their same clothes, and he's like, just in a robe, like, found this woman. Here we go. It's like, what? This guy, he's, I guess, I mean, why would you leave? He's got the Riz, I guess. I don't know what a, it's like, there's nothing about his character that you would think, like, yeah, he's having a hard time in the real world. He's also just so, like, the scene when he finally gets his hands on a shotgun. And, and he's he the just, only person that can shoot anyone. And he just thinks. He's oh, I have it. I have a note about something here too. <laughs> well, when, he goes, when he goes out into the street and just like tells five guys with ray guns, like stop. And they just turn and fire on him. I was like, what did you think was going to happen? Like uh, this movie's like simultaneously characters will just leap to certain logic conclusions when it's convenient, but then they'll just refuse other logic because oh, yeah. it's like the story needs them to keep being like this can't be real this is all these guys are part of a cult but then julie is like so all in like immediately she's immediately in and also the villains are immediately just chasing her for no real reason whatsoever she was Mm -hmm. in the building that they thought that something was in that that he was yeah they chase her down for a long time that that, that poor gym teacher guy (laughs) he gets a shit (laughs) they fucking light his ass up 
uh, but yeah, I, the weapons. I mean, and I think this is kind of part of the the lore of the sci-fi from that era of like your laser guns don't hit anything. But there is one weapon in this movie that has a hundred percent hit rate. You know what it is? The shotgun. The grappling hook. Oh yeah, <laughs> he shoots that fucker through an interdimensional hole and grabs the key perfectly. They only use it three times, but every time it gets used, <laughs> the chicken it bucket hits. was the best one. Yeah. Oh yeah, the chicken bucket. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the thing is, like, it's not like a big plot point of the movie is Gwildor is apparently this insane technological wizard, uh, but it's like so casual with it. Where he just completely modded a car. Oh yeah, like, yeah. Like they're tech. Like there's a uh, there's a baffling. It's not like he brought a bag of shit with well, him. Well, no. just speaking of shit, he's like, oh yeah, I can get you home if you have like these two things. And I just wrote down, and he names two things that I'll never remember the name of. Luckily, they have them, and a keyboard. Like those are the three uh, things that you need. When he's like, like, oh yeah, I got that, and I got this. The only way I can do it is if I have a gizmo. I'm trying. To, yeah. And then Tila's like, I have a gizmo. <laughs> thing right just, I, I laughed out. Just like I'm glad you guys have both those <laughs> random words. And then we need something to make keys. You didn't tell me you were our music master. Uh, it's like they, they try to give Kevin like a little arc where it's like, I'm just a lowly high school student in a band. He's like, you're Kevin. You're, you're special. Like, you're I'm in high school and I'm 50 years old. <laughs> I, uh, I, one of my favorite moments is like all the bad guys are so mean to each other. And like, there's a guy that's like, we've got a thing on the cosmic key. And then Kevin turns the microwave on. They're doing some kind of interference. And she's like, well, get rid of it. He's like, I don't understand technology. And she just goes, get rid of it. And he goes, doo, 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 and just blows up a microwave from <laughs> oh, I love that part. miles away. <laughs> I was like, what is this technology? My other question about, so and you, just going back to something you said earlier about the villains. So those are not characters in the original cartoon. They are. Skeletor. Is, well, well I, know, I know Skeletor, wait, but uh, I mean like the, the white face guys. N- not the no, white the, face the four freaks. Like the four freaks. Oh, uh, only Beast Man. Okay. So to me, it looked like they were just trying to capitalize on other IP because you basically have RoboCop, you have <laughs> Predator, you have Chewbacca, and then you have whoever the hell Evil Grinch is. But like those three, like as soon as they popped out, I was like, okay, they're just trying to replicate. But then looking at the timeline wise, I don't know if at all even that even that scene feels like it's it's the job of the hut, like the mercenaries from yeah. that, oh, like yeah. the way they yeah. step out into the thing. I love, I love how they all get individual like intros, I, and, and then they're not standing in the right order. <laughs> the, the, the thing that's the thing that's funny is is he's Skeletor and Evil Lynn are standing there, and Skeletor's like, like, have you assembled my men? And she's like, actually, they're right here, and they just like turn around, <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, shit. I've assembled your best warriors, and, and it's like, also oh, this is it, this is your best, an interesting group. And the first <laughs> one introduces Blade, and you're just like, who the fuck's this? Like, he's the worst, this yeah. the lamest guy. Yeah, Blade. and I said that's oh. RoboCop. I actually <laughs> like Blade. Blade, Blade, Fred, Blade, Fred, more like a. Uh, I mean, the lizard, the lizard guy's my favorite, totally. but he, you know, dies in thirty seconds. But I mean, Blade. I mean, but yeah, Evil Grinch. Come on. There's nothing scary about that guy. He has two hooks for hands. Oh, I wrote that down. I, was, I didn't realize that until like well, over an hour into both the book. Are hooks? Yeah. I just oh, thought I thought one. one was hook. But oh. it was like a close-up of a hook, and I was just like, he has a hook? Yeah, I, like, think, I think he did, did have two hooks. Yeah. Like, he just kind of waved I thought around. he had two hooks. He, he like, kinda, no wonder he can't do it. I was dying because yeah. like when the four... He's because he can't jack off. That's it. That's why he looks like the evil Grinch. Just find the couch cushion, bro. But... He he becomes their like leader when they're in the world too. I love that yeah. he's the one that's screaming at them to do stuff. Yeah. Like well, I it? like how they fail and they immediately just come back and go, "We failed." It's like <laughs> you chased a girl through a school. You didn't even try. Like you put zero effort in this. I love that they lie. Times. They're like, "We were outnumbered," and then she, of course, has a magical like X-ray device. She's like, "All I'm seeing is He-Man." It's like, well, shit. Also, they just 
Like I love bad guy logic where they watch one of their compatriots be obliterated in front of them. And they're just kind of like, we're sorry, sir. Let us serve you. I'm like, I'm running. I'm done. Like my boss is just killing off people. Like that's, I, yeah, I, I mean, I mean, that's 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 why I'm like, why would you even go back? Like, you know, that's what's yeah, going to happen. Go, just why go, just go get a job at the why go back? Ro- yeah. Rockies Rockets ribs and serve ribs to people. <laughs> it's just like it sucks for Blade because like clearly they th- they thought they were on to something with like, well, we're going to have one of them be like a sword guy and he's going to want to fight He Man in sword combat, and then you just like watch them have one of the shittiest sword fights ever put to to film, and then you're like, okay, that was that arc, I guess. Like, there is one moment where he's got the sword of like gray skull and he's like kind of like proudly waving it around but then they like put it in a science pedestal that gives skeletor yeah. the power somehow uh <laughs> it's like i mean he man uses a gun too much and yeah and, yeah. and like eh, I, I don't remember him really ever having a gun no mm-hmm. like i this uh one of my least favorite things in action movies is scenes where characters are just crouched behind a wall shooting at each other and my big epic fantasy movie is just Dolph Lundgren crouched, like being like, but man, arms like man, arms like has like a funny joke at some point where he's like, Oh, they must've missed us or something. Like they're, they want to hang out and like, and they're just like shooting. And like, it's like, it makes sense for like man at arms and Tila to maybe be like the shooters. But like, I think, I think you got to bend over backwards to give he man more sword fights in this movie. Yeah. Uh, but- and he's like, you know, in the cartoon, like he always has a sword out. Yeah. You know, and this, it's always, you know, it's always put away, but it's like, you know, he, he can, a laser gun, he can block it with a sword. He does, he he does, does do that time. a few times. Yeah. Right. Like that opening fight where we sort of like meet these characters is like fine. Again, they just have awkward, like close-ups of like his navel out of nowhere for no reason. Yeah. But, so nice. But it's, mm-hmm. but it's like, you do get to watch him. I mean, one of my big things is, uh, is it, was it, uh, I always forget the name of the woman that he dated for a while. That was like that model, uh, I'll come up with it. Like Grace only, Jones. The, Grace the, Jones is what so I The only female name I can remember is Christina Pickles. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Dolph Lundgren and Grace Jones were like an item for a while. And it's just like, if you look up pictures of them together, you're just like, poof. Like, that is a stunning couple. Uh, uh, they're both just so muscular and fit. Uh, <laughs> it's like, I, it's I guess, uh, you know, He-Man doesn't actually have a cape in the comics or in the, in the, or in the cartoon or whatever. But in the, in the movie, Dolph requested the cape because he wanted to be covered up a little bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, was, that was all Mattel. Like they tried to change all of their outfits. Like, I mean, like Tila, if you know yeah, I mean, from, you re- from the cartoon, I was disappointed as a child because I wanted to see Tila in that little skippy outfit. Well, they, <laughs> but they did give her the butt strap though. Yeah. The butt strap is a little, it's that it makes no sense. And it's really funny. I don't know. I, it's I, to add a little shape to her flat ass, I think. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> I think I think that's an iconic photo. It won't play on audio, but I love that photo of them together. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Tila's an interesting one. I hot take like I was kind of like because I'd never seen the movie before. Like Courtney Cox and Dolph Lundgren immediately have like pretty good chemistry together, and I was like, oh maybe like maybe He Man will get with Julie, and like Kevin can be with Tila. Maybe they'll break it off that way. But then no, they're like no Kevin and. Julie are going to continue their weird fucked up relationship. There is like the one line when he's like, I rescued this woman or whatever. And Tila likes, like is like annoyed about it. She's like, 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 Oh, look what you found. (laughs) (laughs) Cause like Tila, you can tell Tila like has a thing for he man, which is fine. Like these, these movies. Yeah. You put in like little romance subplots and like 
like what an awkward trio that they form with Tila He-Man and her father. And <laughs> they're the ones that are running around. I together. like Tila a lot, just <laughs> not in this movie. And I don't, you know, I don't blame the actress. I think she's poorly written in the movie. Yeah. yeah I just think, sure. I think that it's a classic case where it's like the movie just spends its time on the wrong things. Like Frank Langella is like, doing the best he can with all these monologues, but they don't make any fucking sense. Well, he also wrote a lot of like, <laughs> at, like changed a lot of those monologues and like added a lot more like Shakespeare, like, like esque dialogue to it. It's he just, does a lot of nice eye work in that mask. Like I, I know they went through a lot of different phases of how they wanted it. And I think they made the right choice. Cause you can really see Frank. He can acting. emote. Yeah. Yes. And yeah. that's also like, I have like a, a love hate thing. Like I, I love, I hate when masks, like prevent an actor from being able yeah. to, to emote, but in the same sense, he's a skull. Yeah. Yeah. Like, the skeleton, so like so ske- the fact that it does move is a little weird. Yeah. Skeletor in the show, like if you've <clears> never <throat> seen it, Luke, he is, it's a skull. He has a skull for a face. Uh, like people weirdly, I think people know Skeletor more because he's like become such a popular meme format. Yeah, for sure. Like where he <laughs> likes the younger, he, people he says sure. like something like a hot take. And then the next, Panel is him being like, till next time, as he's like <laughs> running away. Also, Skeletor talks a lot like this yeah. in the cartoon. And obviously, Langella's not going that direction, which is fine. I do hate the nose. Yeah. Uh, the nose is but what, awful. But, you know, what do you do? Yeah. Well, I, I think you got to yeah. like carve out a little, it's got to have some depth to it. He, they just put two black spots on where they're like, that's a skull face. I'm like, the whole reason it's black is because it's carved out and hollow. Right. But you like, can't, it's hard to take away. Unless you build up like a well, lot they, around they, it. They had kind of built, like it's sitting off of his face enough that they could have done. I would have taken even just the tiniest like little divot. Yeah. But it, it's flat on the thing and it looks like shit because we're so close on his face. Like they, right. they really had confidence in that mask. Like with all yeah. that. I, I had that same thought a lot, <laughs> which was like, man, we're real close to your face. Like, yeah, like, I, I don't, I don't hate his makeup and, and yes, it does. I don't move, hate it, but it's. I look at it as it's a it's a, a fantasy fictional world that maybe in that world that's just you know like how there's a dog boy he's the skeleton boy and, and the skeletons move no um, but I, I like because it could show off his, his I, have no, I have no qualms with like the weirdness of the characters I completely forgot they were like apparently all from Snake Mountain that gets dropped a few times mm-hmm. uh, I love them hard committing to all their science jargon their 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 like their jargon for like how long hours and days are. I always love when like a science fiction movie just hard commits to like, I mean, we've only got three Eatons. Before. There is a line. They say, Parsonic. yeah. And I was like, that's eh, an awful lot like a Parsec. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there, there are a lot of things in this. I'm like, yeah, that seems like it's stolen directly. Oh, from there's something so many else. Th- I mean, the opening sequence is Superman. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean the music it's, it's, is almost the same. It's right? the same. It's the same. Uh, it's the same guy who wrote the Superman theme. It's, it's, so it's, I mean, but like the, the color, uh, Bill you know, the, yeah. yeah. So I mean, the Great color composer. and all that. And it's yeah. just, yeah. I mean, the end of the movie is basically Wizard of Oz. Yeah. I mean, at the end. They, yeah. When she wakes up, I'm like, are we, is this what we're, how we're going to do this? Is what mm-hmm. we're going to do? Like, I mean, she has this moment at the her, end where her, she gets to say goodbye to everybody. And then she's like, oh, you know, like they send her back. So funny. Her entire arc through the movie has been like, oh, everything's been so fucked since my parents died. And then Gwildar is like, I can send you to any time or any space. And she's like, no, I'm good. And then as she's going through the portal, she's like, actually, wait, the one thing uh, that I, I, I laughed out loud when that happened again. I laughed a lot during this movie in, I, a, in a good way. I, was I like that she I, just steals his keys. She's like, no, I'm just going to take your key. Like they were yeah. dad. The plane key. Yeah. Yeah, well, no, I was, can't go now. I thought it was really the reveal that it was like a private plane that her parents flew. Cause I, I was like, 
how is she going to explain when that plane crashes and they're not on it? Like how she knew it was going to crash, but then the swerve of like, I'm a great, I'm a great pilot. What are you talking about, Julie? I was like, he was flying the plane, but in uh, final destination, they're still going down. Yeah. So. <laughs> and then if you're in back in the future, you're running to the store to get the sports almanac. So you can yep. bet on the Chicago Cubs. The, uh, the best bet yeah. really is just to say you were on drugs and you saw it happen. <laughs> yep. That's right. It's the only way your parents are going to believe you anyway. Yeah. I love that. She's like really surprised that Kevin remembers too. Like I was like, I don't know what the angle was on that. Or she's like, you remember too. I'm like, did you think, well, that? she could have thought it was just a dream. Well, yeah. she, I mean, she could have, but she could have been sent back in time. The whole thing. He, been dream, that's you know, true. That's had true. To deal with it. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. so there's uh, two Kevins. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 That did. I had a brief existential crisis where I was like, Oh wait, if she goes back in time and she essentially replacing the her that was there back then. And does that count as like a death or it's like a, you guys ever seen the fly? Oh yeah. Like with Jeff Goldblum. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. I've not seen. There's a he like mm. in the fly. He's working on a way to transport ma- matter to another place. And he has like a monologue at one point where he's like, it's like, do I die every time I do this? I don't know. I, I feel like myself, but. I've been reassembled, so perhaps I'm dying every time I do it. And like I always get trapped in those like existential spirals. Like people have talked about, like if we could invent a way to transport matter, we would essentially be killing ourselves. And then like right, re- that's re- what happens in Star Trek every time they use the second <laughs> <Yeah. clears throat> beat me up, Scotty. Scotty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like uh, I don't yeah. think this movie's that deep. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's like those are the kind of thoughts you have when you're watching like a fun movie like this, where you don't have to like use all your brain power. So sometimes you're the back part of your head will just start spinning weird theories of like, it's like, what's going on with the sorceress? Mm-hmm. I wish that's where my mind went. Not like, I wonder who they had to oil up Dolph Lund. <laughs> How much of the budget I think was? I'm like, they had $17 million as an indie filmmaker. I'm like, I could have done better. Yeah. <laughs> $17 million in the eighties. Yes, yes. In the eighties. And you're just like, you see like, you know, behind the scenes photos or, you know, footage or whatever. And you just see all these people just standing around. And it's like, what are, what are all these people doing? I'm like, they're just people that aren't working as hard as we are when we make our, you know. But I mean, you got to remember too, this was made by like the Canon group. Oh, I know. And so I probably, a lot of that money just went into pockets of. Yeah. Yeah. Go I'm concerned they didn't even really put out. I don't know how much money they actually put into this. Right. They just pocketed the money. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Golden and Globus are uh, interesting figures. I think anyone that has an interest in like film history, Canon is a fascinating company to follow if you like look up the things that they produced like it's a really wild collection of things like a lot of stallone stuff like cobra Mm -hmm. and over the top oh i love cobra uh i love over the top (laughs) (laughs) when he turns his hat around uh, chuck norris (laughs) chuck norris movies blood sport invasion usa uh life force which is a movie i maybe need to do for the show sometime a cyborg which isn't that the one that was made after this one that was supposed to be the sequel? Yes. Oh, the one I, I now I remember the one I was trying to pull, Death Wish. Like they did a lot of the Death Wish movies, which are just mm-hmm. classic dad porn, like uh just an older guy with a gun just stop. I'm here to clean up the streets. What's uh, what's the the <laughs> Canon uh documentary Electric Boogaloo or something? Electric Boogaloo. Oh, what is it? <laughs> Electric Boogaloo. Is that what it is? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's a great documentary actually, but I think it's funny. They're just, they, somebody's making a movie and then these two guys walk in they're like, there's not enough boobs. Find yeah. a way to put boobs in it. They're very, they were very sleazy. And if you like <clears throat> listen to like any actress talk about like 
having to do a canon movie back. It's almost surprising that Tila isn't more sleazed up in this movie. Well, it's because Mattel. <laughs> because Mattel. Yeah, yeah, they, they, they weren't even allowed to like kill anybody. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or or really use their or, weapons. That's why all the bad guys are kind of like robots. robots like, yeah, yeah, they're they're not, which they beings. never really say that. They're not robots necessarily. Just kind of it's just the swords have sparks every time they hit somebody. Yeah, yeah. I, re- I read that today and I was like, wait, those were robots? Yeah. It's kind of in the Ninja Turtles animated series, that's what they changed the foot soldiers to robots in that. Yeah. For that same reason. Which yeah. I the scene that I feel like every eighties action movie has to have is like the, the alleyway, like the, that just the, has the like cheap alley. Yeah. Scene. Like just has like a weird amount of trash in it. Mm-hmm. But I did catch like right when that starts, there's a big old pizza mm-hmm. sign on there. And I thought, Oh, this feels very Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Just the, the, the pizza though, the, the reason that is there, if you, if you don't know is because, um, it's for lighting. Oh, really? Um, they they added all these like exit signs and the big pizza sign is because he wanted the whole like world, like the good guys to be blue. And then when the bad guys are there, there's this red uh-huh. haze. So he did it just to kind of add, you know, dimension to, to all the looks. If you look, uh, you know, I, I, I brought in these pictures and stuff, but um, the one thing that um, Goddard talks about in it um, is he talks about how flat the beginning is. So when they first started filming, they filmed the stuff on earth. And when you watch the movie in the beginning of it, you're like, this is really bad. And it just feels flat. Um, but then as they kind of, you know, get their wind and, you know, um, get things going, um, you can see the colors and the, the stuff that they added. Uh, the scene in the very beginning where they're at the um, cemetery, they knew they were going to lose light that day. So he made them go out and find, he said, find a way to put light in here. So they found, I don't know where they found it, but these, these all, po- the lights, all those lights that turn on in the mm-hmm. one shot, like yes. that, that shot, like, I don't know. It like freaked me out. Cause I was like, whoa, those lights just all turn on like, uh-huh. in the shot that happened. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I was like, were they just out there? They're just and- solar, solar lights that just turn on at, at, well, at, at I mean, night. I've, there's like uh, all the street lamps in my town. Like there's right. Some, I mean, it, it makes sense. It was just weird to see it actually like, it was happened happen in, yeah, happen in real time in the shot. It, no, well, yes, but they did that because he was losing light, and he was like, "We're not." He goes, "By the time we film, by the time we get to the end of this, it's going to be dark, and so we need a light source." So they added those, and actually, watching the movie, they add they use those lights one more time. It's they put it on the on the corner at like her house or something when they're all there at that oh. night, oh. and you see that same exact light po- lamp post or whatever. Um, but they, but they bought him originally because of that scene, they were going to lose the light. Um, and he was like, I need a light source besides the moon. So we had them turn on to justify why they were there. Yes. Okay. (laughs) And well, justify where the light's coming from. Right, 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 right. But yeah. So when the, and when you first see them, the light is, it's sunlight and you just see them off in the background. Uh-huh. And then there's the shot the that shot Tony's talking on. about where they it, all kick on. It's a weird, it's a thing. I don't, my brain sees. No, it's funny. Lights. It's funny you mentioned it because <laughs> like it did, it bumped me too, where there was something about that shot with the lights coming on that was like, it was like almost too dreamy, even though this is a weird sci-fi fantasy movie. It was like, it was like something from like, uh, uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. It just seemed like they turned on with a switch. And because, you know, when street lights, they, especially like in the 80s, like they're like halogen lights that like take a minute to warm yeah. up or whatever. Come mm-hmm. on. Those were just like, and now they're on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You it's know, like the one I have in my bathroom when I turn the light off, a little security yeah. light comes on. Uh, Michael, you, you do have a, uh, like a whole portfolio. Like, is there anything that you'd like to address from it that we haven't? Um, got, I mean, no, not, to? not too much. It was more just so I could flip through and remember things I wanted to talk about. <laughs> well, uh, I, I mean, I one see, of the things I was see, like, we were, you were just on a picture of evil Lynn. I feel uh, like we've not talked about her at all. Uh-huh. I know uh, she's awesome. See, like, hear how flat 
how flat that is. And then when you, you know, flip back, like, I don't know. Can you, can you get a PDF of this that we can, uh, we can put with the podcast <laughs> yeah. so yeah. people can look through. So, but uh, yeah. Eva Lynn's hilarious. Cause like the first scene of the movie is, is Frank Lagell being like, I've taken over the universe and I've got this sorcerer. And then Eva Lynn says like, we will rule the world. And he goes, I will rule the world. I was like, Oh, but like, there's like that weird, creepy scene where it comes back right, right before all the guys come back or they got their ass. Where he's kicked. like caressing and her yes, face. Yes, he's like touching her face and it's just a close up on him basically. And she's like, all this. And then all of a sudden he's like, all right, get out of here, bitch. You go with him. You know, yeah. you say you think there's something there. And then, yeah, you think like he, cause like he's so rude to her. And you, it even cuts to a look on her face when he says, like, I will rule this world. And it cuts to her and she looks upset. Mm-hmm. So, and so it's like by the end of the movie, when she just kind of fucks off, it kind of makes sense because she's, she is kind of like, fuck this guy. There's a couple of shots. <laughs> and I think one of them's her where she looks directly into the camera. Yeah. There's a couple of fourth wall breaks. For <laughs> sure. It's like kind of like, and there's one where she looks directly in the camera and there's one where Skeletor does but when he does, he's like just off the camera. Like it's so close to breaking the fourth wall. I'm like, man, are you, are you looking at me? <laughs> well, I think it's kind of hard to tell in that mask. Right. Too. But yeah, it, it happens so early with Evelyn as well yeah. that it was jarring to me. And I, again, was like, maybe this is something they do yeah. in the animated series. But I'm like, oh, okay, we're, we're breaking the fourth wall. Got well, it. Okay. I wasn't sure in those moments, are they trying to... Are they switching to POV, but they did a poor bat a bad job I mean, at it? Yeah. I, I mean I oh. mean like all of a sudden now we're looking through Skeletor's eyes. Oh, that's well, not, not, I don't know. Not in that in that one line in the beginning, she he's he's she's talking to him and then she turns, turns. and talks directly to the viewer. Oh, I know what you're talking about. It's like moment. very soap it's like in the moment. first five minutes. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's really early. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's also like I, I'm curious for like especially those of us that are new, like were, how much of a time where you have like tracking what was even happening? Like, were you like, I caught up, like, it's not incredibly complex, but it is like, it is like, Oh wait. So Skeletor this. Okay. So he took over this castle and he's winning, but there's some stuff going on. And then we just smash cut to he man, like fighting some robot guys. And I was like, what the fuck is happening? I, so, I mean, I'll, I'll say, for me, I actually think this was the ideal way for me to watch this movie because I, I'm okay with suspension of disbelief. And like in the first 20 minutes or so, there were definitely some things that I'm like, okay, clearly they're cutting around things and I can look at it from a budgetary reason. And I, you know, I can make reasons why it's maybe not as clear as it needs to be. Like there's the moment where we meet Gwildor and he presents this key and they're like, can you get us into the the castle Grayskull? And then they seemingly travel through a very short hallway and they're there. But I'm like, okay, like, okay, that seems like a kind of a strange choice. But at the same time, I, I'm not, I'm not upset by it. Like these characters are not familiar to me. So the movie, the way the movie puts the characters out there for an audience, like to me, Evelyn's a cool character, but she's not like a massive part in the movie. So I don't understand how important she is. Whereas very clearly Skeletor and He-Man and Courtney Cox's character, like those to me were the ones that like, these are the ones I'm supposed to follow. And when you're unfamiliar with all the pre-existing information, it's not that hard for me to follow a story that it's pretty simple, really. I mean, they're, yeah, the, they're traveling through interdimensional reasons and they're trying to get Skeletor out of this power position. Like, that's, Yeah. The Gwildor thing's very funny because there's multiple scenes in the movie where someone has to drop like some really obvious exposition where he's just like, I can take us to Castle Grayskull, but you're right. Then they just go through a tunnel and they're like, we're, 
Gwildor, where does this tunnel lead? And he's like, it'll take us right on your Grayskull. And I was like, oh, that's convenient, I guess. Like, and then they <laughs> well, just... And then the, uh, whatever, Grimmel and Evil, Evil Grinch, you know, he comes in, and, and this is actually in, in some of the, the trivia type questions of, like, goofs, but he, you know, if you, after, you know, after you've watched a few times, you, you realize he says, find the key. Well, they don't even know they have a key until Evil Inn senses it when they're trying to use it to get out of there, out of, you know, Castle Grayskull. So at the very beginning, he says, he's like, find the key when they're there. And then they get in there. And the next thing you know, they're like, they have another key. We didn't know that. <laughs> so there's, huh. there's a. It's funny. Cause like. See, like I did not track for me at all. Well, I was like, I was fine. We were introduced to Gwildor as have been captured because Skeletor, I guess, probably wants him to work for him. But then they save him. And he's like, Skeletor would kill me if he knew I still had this prototype. He took my other. See, I took key. it as they just didn't want him to make another key. That's why they. Yeah, I guess. Yes, like, that. I take that too. There's a, this is a lot of like bad guy logic in this movie where it's like, <laughs> bring him to me alive. He must be alive. Like I always love. I mean, well, I understood the He-Man thing. Yeah. The, the He-Man, of. well, sort of, but it's in, it's really, there's, there's one line in the movie and, and it's evil in where, why? Cause that's the big question is why? So when, when they take off into some other dimension and she's like, they could be anywhere. And he's like, go find them. Well, why? <laughs> why? You know, if you can do all this good without He-Man, but the problem is, Skeletor needs to show He-Man defeated. That's why at the end, he's like, kneel before me. He's like, For because sure. she says, she said, they will never follow you or they will never stop fighting you because they believe He-Man will save them. So he has to prove to the people of Eternia that he truly has beaten He-Man. No, and, and so. I think that, that logic is in the movie. But again, and, and this is not even something that I think you can blame on budget. I'm like, you got to show like a family watching the Skeletor projection and being like, yeah. don't, don't worry, He-Man will will defeat him. And, Mommy, why is He-Man getting whipped? I don't like it. Like it's like it's like it's dumb and on, and on, on the nose. But it's like I don't see a single citizen. Yeah, there, there's of not. There's absolutely nobody else in Eternia other than the people that we see, uh, like that we follow right. in the yeah. movie. There's nobody else. Like, I mean, there's a few people watching the projection that are like been captured. Like yeah, at the lower map painting, and they're, they have their hands up and they're being held by by the guards going, "Watch him!" And we can't hear it, but the the one on the left is going, "Hey, why is He-Man getting whipped by that? Why is he spanking him?" <laughs> Why well, is this guy turning me on a little bit? Uh, but yeah, I just like it's like cliche. But I think you gotta sh- like if you're gonna like everything Skeletor is doing logistically in this movie is hinging on you buying that he must show He Man defeated. Like you have to have like some citizens of Eternia like existing. You know, <laughs> like yeah. Like I don't think I put together that the bad guys were robots because I also had a joke that I thought of with like Kevin and Julie ice some of these guys i'm like are these the worst soldiers in the world like presumably they're trained soldiers with guns and uh, a guy that plays a keyboard in a band is like fully icing some of these dudes like that's always a fun logic leap in these kinds of movies and i think i thought they were humans because they just look like stormtroopers to me uh, yeah. i mean yeah they, i mean they're straight up stormtroopers that's why i didn't think they were robots also why they can't shoot anything that's, i love I, lo- I love laser laser logic where if He-Man shoots one of them, it creates like a little spark explosion and they always get blasted off. But when He-Man gets shot, it's just like a little burn mark on his <laughs> arm where he's just like, ugh, I've been shot. Well, budgetary <laughs> things. So all of the guys that were in the, all the soldiers. So when they're busting in, and I think it's the scene when they're busting to the music store or whatever, um, in, the li- in the guns themselves, they actually do light up so that they knew when to do the laser. But they didn't tell them 
hey, we're on a budget and it costs money every time we show the laser. And those just guys just went in there and just started shooting the shit out of the place. And they're like, fuck, we have all these effects that we have to add because every time that gun lights up, we have to have a light beam. And it just like, so that's why some, there's such quick cuts because they're cutting yeah. away from all those guys. I was thinking that when happy. I was watching it because I, 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 was, I was like, there's no, it doesn't seem like there's any real direction in like where to shoot or what they're doing. <laughs> no, no, they're no. always just kind of like, yeah, shoot here. Then or here. shooting up to the ceiling. Yeah. Like, yeah. And there's and, a couple of shots that hit and it doesn't phase them. Oh, yeah. No. Yeah. There's a, uh, I, I would love to have been on set when they were trying to direct the laser whip scene because there clearly was some miscommunication going on there. Like the, they, they the try, last hit is a little off time. It's, 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 <laughs> it's brutal. It, it, there's, I love the, I love all the shots of Dolph where it's like, this is like, you know, before movies could be like rewound and reviewed, like every once in a while, they'll just show a really brief, really bad composite effect, but they flash it so quickly. They're kind of just trying to get away with it. But I was watching it pretty, all the stuff on the flying saucer was, was cracking me up just in the way that it moved was very goofy and funny. Uh, like I get the idea behind it is very fun, but I'm like, I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. I wrote down that the part where he breaks through the window and jumps on the thing. I'm like, that's fucking badass. <laughs> Again, I, I guess ten year old logic, but I, I, it's a it's a fun movie. It's a B movie, so well, I I, I'm fine with all of the the camp. I th guess that reminds me. One of the things I wanted to circle back to is the reason that I got a little bit hung up on like the power structure and the what can Skeletor actually do is like that is how you sell toys. Is like uh, you show off their powers and you want like the cool battle cat and you want the sword and then you want the other he-man figure that's got the other sword and he can do this is the he-man that's on the flying saucer version and but like that's why i was like they, i think you gotta like show them just showing off their powers a little bit more because that's what excites kids not like a guy shooting a laser gun so much uh <laughs> it's like i don't know maybe i mean maybe i'm off base there but. michael did you watch this as a kid oh yeah yeah multiple times actually yeah <laughs> so i remember driving the year past I was born. A, a drive through or drive through drive in. I was driving past drive and it was it was playing, and it was one of those. It was weirdly set up where you could see the screen from the road, um, and I was <laughs> like, "Can we pull over and, and and watch?" But you know, of course, we drove by. But by the time that I could see it, my my sister, of course, she went and saw it because of Dolph Dolph Lundgren. She just wanted to see him in that outfit. Um, but uh, so I, I like the no shame. Yeah, uh, she was yeah. she was totally in that, and I, you know, I was like, oh, "Well, that's not fair. Why do you get Dolph Lundgren and I don't get Tila and her little skimpy outfit?" But <laughs> um, you know, fair's fair, I guess. Yeah, I, I did feel bad for Dolph. Like, there's a lot of like because they put a lot of this in the real world. It is very jarring to see a man in like a banana hammock and like leather straps just running around like the street of like a suburban neighborhood. Speaking of like no citizens, though. I was I was giggling a little bit of like Skeletor shows up with his Nazi robot army and I was like is this like the most deserted town of all time there's like one guy that lives here and runs a music shop there's like no Goddard talks about that a little bit and how in the original he was like we have to film this a night he goes you can't have He-Man in that jackass outfit and you know all these people running around and everyone's just okay with it um but then at the same time it's like skeletor and all of his true show up and nobody looks out the window to see what the fuck's happening but it's the excuses it's at night they're sleeping <laughs> they're sleeping <laughs> i was under yeah. the impression but they did say that they wet down all the streets yeah for sure you okay. know to shine all the lights off and i was like hey been there i mean i think the like them putting the red exit sign in the alley 
when uh, Julie goes to meet her mom, who's actually Eva Lynn, who it is again, uh, it's funny to watch this movie because they don't do the cliche thing where they establish that Eva Lynn can shape shift. So it's like, it is like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, you kind of know something's wrong, but it is like, again, they didn't establish that power set where, because you have to wonder, like, the first time watching this, like, why? Because the, the evil Grinch guy, he finds the picture of her with her parents. He's like, I found this picture. And she's like, this could prove useful. And I was like, how? Her parents <laughs> that, are That's dead. one of those you have to know the cartoon to know that she could do that. But uh, I know there was supposed to be a digital effect that they cut because of budgetary and time. And then, uh, but I mean, I guess like, the effect still works. But I see your point of like. I didn't know that she could do that. Well, no, it's like, I don't hate it. It actually creates like, a, I like that they didn't do the, the, the cliche thing where they had to like show her do it earlier in the movie so that it would like pay off. Like, cause I think as a first time viewer, you are like, what the fuck? Her mom's there. Cause like, you don't really know what her, <laughs> other than the fact that she's just looks badass, like in the movie, that's the only time she shows yeah. her power. Yeah. And she's actually pretty badass. Uh, in the yeah, cartoon, Evil Lynn's great, like as a character, but uh, they don't really like all the guys are scared of her, just they're about as scared of her as they are of Skeletor. And it's you don't really know why, other than the fact that she's his right hand man, but so is you know, Evil Grinch. So, yeah, you know. it feels like Evil Lynn probably needs to throw a spell or two around. I don't mm -hmm. know why she doesn't get to force lightning somebody, mm -hmm. like that's exclusive to money. Skeletor, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah but I mean, yeah, you're right, but it's like, uh, and she's a woman. <laughs> oh, that's true. <laughs> uh, that yeah. just the podcast just took a turn. Yeah, it did. But I mean, but I mean, I also think your target audience doesn't need all the exposition either. I mean, the target audience for this is people who already know the pre-established property. Your target audience is not thirty-two-year-old man in twenty twenty-four. <laughs> uh, who has never seen any of the cartoons. So they weren't I, making this to get new fans. They were no. getting it to bring the old fans back. Correct. Yeah. And, and I, sell new toys. And I'm, I mean, I think a lot of times arguments that can be made for movies that are pretty bad are ones that have too much exposition. I mean, if it takes so long, there's so much lore to explain people, you lose them before you can get in. So yeah, I'm, I guess I should, I'm, I'm fine with just, let's Tony just, loves exposition. Oh yeah. <laughs> get them to the shoot favorite, button. My favorite thing. No, I should, uh, I, I don't want to have, uh, I, I want to make it clear. I'm not taking a stance of like every single thing needs explained. It's just like, yeah, I guess some of it is budget where it's like, you can't just have evil and lightning the, the evil Grinch guy, like for his insolence. But I'm like, you probably could have though, yeah. uh, but it's, it's fine. It's, again, it's just my main critique of the movie it, again is just time spent on the wrong things where it's like, I don't need 12 minutes of them shooting at each other in the, in the electronics music store. I simply do not, need that uh i think like that was the best set they had <laughs> i thought most was, expensive set they had expensive just set. Those, those, guitars, those instruments are recognizable and expansive the whole time everything kept kept like exploding and you know catching on fire and whatever i just kept thinking i feel like you could have saved a lot of money by not oh, yeah. destroying all these instruments <laughs> yeah. like like whose decision was this and yeah was this an accident like how, how, how did this happen yeah when that guy flies into those guitars i was like that's hundreds of dollars yeah, uh, yeah. That's probably thousands of dollars. Yeah. Well, I mean, fun. I know there's ways to make like cheap, like prop guitars to. Yeah, yeah but I, I, I just don't feel like any of it was. I feel like all of that I was just too. real stuff that was in a real music store. And they were like, we're going to buy the whole store. Good job. Well, fun fact for those that don't know, the when they blow up the car after they come out of there and the week's back there, you know, and they blow up that car, they blew out all the windows in the street. 
And so they had to <laughs> oh. replace all of those. <laughs> so there went part of their budget. Yeah, for sure. What is, what is our cheap? Um, that is a, yeah. that is a nice, it is nice. And, uh, you know, for this show, I do a lot of older movies and just seeing like a real explosion is just nice. Sometimes. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, I think one of the biggest ones was, uh, Cool. I sneezed a minute ago. <laughs> I mean, there's four bodies around Mike's things happen. It's not a big deal. Uh, just, I did Sorcerer for the show somewhat recently, and there's just like a stunning set piece in that where they're like driving a truck over a bridge. And it's like in real life, that truck tipped over a million times and people almost died. And it's like, you simply can't do that anymore. But man, sure is fun to watch. Uh, <laughs> it's like, I like watching the speakers get exploded in this movie. And car exploding and someone getting thrown into guitars and uh it is fun like just to see practical effects and things like that that's why like the laser beams become a bit of like a snooze for me where it's just like i don't need to see yeah laser beams flying around like it's the same thing like when i watch star wars i don't care about like the ship battles <laughs> that's a me thing though like i'm not saying that's like a objective thing it's just like i don't need to see lasers <laughs> I'm genuinely curious to, I know they greenlit a sequel to this, but in that same uh, action, like that same vein, they were also greenlit a Spider-Man movie yeah, from the I same. Uh-huh. I, I really, really wish I, that was made. I want, to, I want to know what that. It would have been so bad. It would have been just glorious. Yeah, the, uh, I believe that uh, Golden and Globus, uh, I thought it was, yeah, they, they did a Captain America movie. Uh, yeah. Did they do Punisher? Is that? Uh, I don't think they didn't do Punisher, but Dolph went on and did Punisher. Punisher came out like three years, uh, three or four years after this one. Yeah. I, I actually, I, think, I like that one actually. Yeah. It gets a lot of hate, but <laughs> I, I do, I do enjoy it. Actually, I haven't seen it. Uh, it's, I feel like I was supposed to watch it for a podcast for something, but it never, it never <laughs> ended up happening. Mm. It's, I only watch movies if I have to talk about them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I don't know. Like, is there, any standout scenes for you guys? Anytime that Franklin Jell is on. Yeah. I think yeah, solid. For sure. He just, he, he's in a different movie um, than everybody else. Yeah. He's just, I, I think he, I think he kills it. I mean, my favorite line in the whole thing is Franklin Jell. And he, when he just says, you are no longer my equal. I am more than man, more than life. I am God. <laughs> it's just like, it's awesome. I mean, I hope that he wrote it himself, but it's, yeah. I don't love his ascended armor. I, I'm no, not, I'm not a fan. Oh, oh, I, I love literally so wrote. I, where's my note? Uh, <laughs> sick headgear is what I said. <laughs> really? Yeah, I thought it looked really goofy. I loved it. I, I really loved like did. the bat wings on it. Yeah, looks like something that should be like straight out of an Avenged Sevenfold album. <laughs> I think I have a picture in here for those that are listening. <laughs> I don't. I don't think I'm. I don't think I'm that familiar with Frank Langella. Like, well, he won't be now. <laughs> he's never going to talk to me again. Uh, I, I'm just no, like, I, I don't think he's probably going to work a whole lot again. Well, I just feel like I feel like he's an actor that a lot of people respect, but like even just pulling his IMDb up, it's like that thing. It's awesome. I don't know. He looked like kind of a bad Power Rangers villain to me. I think that's good. So what we're looking at right now? I, I, <laughs> I, I like him. I, I like him. With For the, those of you watching on not YouTube. I like him with the cloak. Like, I think that's, I guess. I mean, the cloak is badass because that's just who he is. You yeah. Know, but you have to, I mean, what does he look like when he becomes a god? But that, I mean, like in, the, in this picture, that like it's where he's like, the energy is following his hand across his face. Yeah. I, just, I think that's, that's good animation right there. I just think like, he's got like a 
he, when he ascends, he's like Shao Kahn. Yeah, uh, totally. Like Power Rangers villain. And I was yeah. like, I was like, oh, like, I guess it's just because I associate Skeletor with the cowl. And I, I was, I did realize I was having a really hard time because the show I did watch probably the most of this era of cartoons was Thundercats. Oh, that's and, good shit too. Oh, yeah. the, the, Venn, uh. the Venn diagram of, of Mumra and Skeletor is kind of tough to split apart. And I was like, every time I thought Skeletor was meant to do something, I, I would be like, Oh, I guess that's more of a Mumra thing. <laughs> like, I don't a know. A Mumra is total badass. <laughs> the Mumra just, yeah, the problem is he had everybody else doing his work for him, but if he actually just did it himself, he would win. He was, <laughs> he was badass. <laughs> Mumra had an ascended form too. He would like, he would, he would like Hulk out and like yeah. get all like juice head yeah. vibes. And what, what a baffling cartoon where it's like, yes, yeah, so we have these anthropomorphic cats and their villain will be. A mummy guy. <laughs> yeah. I, they never made a movie of that one, and I, I there's still been talks of that yeah. happening. It should have been more like a ball of yarn. <laughs> yeah, like where's 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 the scene where snarf snarf? I'm gonna get my little bandage. He's the orco of. <laughs> they always they always have to have like a little sidekick. Yeah. Like yeah, you gotta have you know. <laughs> what was the other one? Solar kids. Hawks. That was uh, took place in space. That was that was. I'm not familiar with that one. Oh, yeah, yeah Thunder Thunder Cats had a cartoon reboot like in like the 2010s. Yeah, yeah. Like, me. I remember thinking it was it was decent. I like the Masters of the Universe Kevin Smith show. I know that gets a lot of hate, but oh, I, I like it. Mike is going to disagree with you on that. I think. <laughs> I'm well, not, I'm not on that season boat. two yet because season two actually has He Man and Skeletor in it. Yeah, you know, they've they've been. I don't know if it's out yet. But uh, I, I saw the trailer. Just I just came out. Yeah, it just came out. Yeah, yeah. So I haven't watched it yet, but. Uh, but I'm hoping that makes I people happy. Hey, that. Mark Hamill Skeletor, it's pretty awesome. Um, oh no, he he does a nice job, but yeah. vocal. But I just yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess on this topic, my slight hot take is of anything that's come from this property, uh, the Shira show that came out on Netflix is probably by far and away the best thing that's happened in this universe. Like that shows legitimately good it's pretty good uh my daughter watched that show it's, it's also good. like just this is just a me thing people know me uh it's also very gay uh it's like a very gay show and i appreciate that uh like what's what's her friend's name the cat uh catra catra yeah, yeah yeah i mean they're like childhood friends who become enemies but then by the end of the show spoilers they get together uh so yeah. fun it's, times on the she show <laughs> so gay <laughs> but, but it's like they, they always used to have like the iconic uh, Thundercats had a great call out too it's like thunder thunder oh yeah Thundercats oh <laughs> I do love she though that was another I, I watched that while I was watching He-Man oh yeah like the OG just, show yeah that was always confusing because like it felt like so they're like siblings right or I, I have a I have a she doll as well I don't know if I shall say doll a figure one of the, the see it's an action the, figure if it's the action figure. but if it's a Shira, it's a but it, doll. I mean I it looks see, it's see packaged it? exactly the same <laughs> and it's this, and they're the, still in their original packaging I'm sure I don't know if that one is actually wow. <laughs> you played yeah. with that one got that I, one out yeah I got all Shira out <laughs> she, was, she was hot um, she was a doll <laughs> <laughs> Okay, yeah. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> fucking shit up. <laughs> yeah, Frank Langella scenes are obviously good. The villains are fun. Um, Kevin, all of his stuff. I do like when Kevin gets collared and he's got like the. Oh, uh, yeah, where I, 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 I tried to impersonate the voice, but then it just it's, sucks. It's, it's, I it's too robotic. But I, I, 
uh, I like how they hard they committed to even while they're like trying to pry it off. They're asking him questions and he's being forced to answer it because he's still like under the sway. They're like, what happened? He's like, police man game. And you know, I, was, I was like, get the fucking collar off him, guys. What are you doing? It seems to take a long time to get it off of him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. Arms is just fucking around with it for like. But again, another moment that she has the exact key piece that she needs to get that thing off. Yeah. <laughs> totally. The collar of something. They right? deal yeah. with these people all the time. Oh, yeah. yeah oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They, they've had that. Yeah. Yeah. They've had that ring thrown on them. Oh, yeah. So it's like, it's like you know, every pair of handcuffs use the same key. It's the mm-hmm. same thing. Yeah. I, I, I do like a, the piece of tech that was very fun to me was uh, He-Man has these shackles on and they've built this thing into the floor where they attach the tentacles of the shackles to it so they can like prostrate him and whip him and stuff like that's just like random like tech pieces that the tentacles like speaking of like tech it's like uh they they really like went to town on Gwildor's little hut for us being in there for a grand total of two minutes like it's such like a well-built yeah. set i i think <laughs> that you know i don't i don't know when they took breaks in filming this but i, I it's my understanding that they filmed a whole lot of it and then we're like oh shit we're out of money and they were like Okay, so then they made rewrites and did the whole New Jersey thing and all that. Like, I think I feel like it came later. Like, they shot a lot of the 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 big expensive set pieces first, and then um, they were like, "Oh I, shit, we're out of money." I actually think they filmed the stuff on Earth first. Really? Um, yeah, and then the stuff in the maybe they built all the sets and were like, "Fuck, we're out of money." Yeah. <laughs> and so they, they filmed all the other <laughs> stuff first because they were filming on the set when they came and said, "Today's your last day," so they had the rest of the movie. Because um, the first day of filming, I want to say, was the first thing uh, was when they run into the cow at the beginning when they first get to Earth. <laughs> I did like that cow. It was uh, a good cow. <laughs> yeah. Like they how- said it took like 40 minutes to get him to just move his head. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love how fast like they were about to shoot that cow. <laughs> and he's like, wait. Right off the bat. We don't know if the natives are friendly. <laughs> or they were intelligent, I think is what intelligent. he said. Yeah. And then they, they, they really thought they had something with Gwildor mooing at that gal. Like this is gonna this is gonna hit. I funny. <laughs> I laughed. <laughs> I laughed too. Do uh, they uh I, my my question really that remains after watching the film is uh what do they eat in Eternia? Because they were pretty disgusted about like the eating animals. I know. I it was a very pro vegetarian moment. I was just like, yeah. man, my wife should be watching this with me. They probably <laughs> eat a lot of veggie and fruit, but obviously, but look at he's he a man. military man. <laughs> but yeah. look at he soy. Man. He's a you know he's a soy, soy boy. boy. Yeah, yeah soy boy. <laughs> uh, but I don't know, like because man, uh, arms was familiar with it. He he's like, oh yeah, it's it's meat on the bones. It's from an animal. Well, and, it was very it was very like a dad moment where it's like back in the day we used to eat Rathgoths and make yeah. bones out of them because <laughs> I, I love the uh, lot of lentils. What are these white sticks that the oh, fan of lentils? <laughs> he man was. It's like we again. You don't see, you don't see the only two things we see in Eternia are Castle Greystall, which looks horrifying, and then the, just this desert wasteland. <laughs> I do love that little shot where they do a close up of one of the stormtroopers trampling through Gwildor's little garden. <laughs> I was like, that's fucked up. <laughs> like, <laughs> they just had to show that these guys are really bad. Look at him stomping on his mushrooms. Uh, <laughs> it's like that poor guy. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I don't know what they eat in it. It's you would think they would just have, but I feel like in the cartoon though, I do feel like when they're at the, the palace, you know, and you know, and it's Adam and his, his mom and dad that there's like a spread, right? And that there's a Turkey 
like yeah. in the middle of like the table normal mm. ass you know like yeah like, thanksgiving dinner yeah, yeah. like <laughs> what you see like rich people you know and lord of the rings yeah right. one of your favorite it, movies it feels and, like uh maybe it's <laughs> maybe it's like uh they were going the sci-fi route where they just have tubes of green stuff that that's that's just what they eat they eat like fucking algae no that I, they f- I, I, refu- I refuse to believe that you don't get a he-man eat algae yeah i think i feel like it's kind of implied that i mean maybe he, he gets he- his protein some other way maybe <laughs> i'll leave that for our viewers to figure that out <laughs> i think it's kind of implied that there's something magical about him oh yeah that's, that's what like it is. like i mean he, normally yeah but in this movie i don't really feel as though He's like they make. No, it, they, it's just another fighter. I mean, yeah. he doesn't. That's the thing magical. though. Is like he's the only one that can stand toe to toe with Skeletor and like stand up to him. So I'm like, there's something. He's not just a guy. Like he's not just a guy that like worked out a lot. Like I think there's. Uh, it, uh, what's his name? Frank Langella. Langella. That is. Yeah. yeah. He wanted the traditional Skeletor costume. He wanted to show off his body and like worked out. <laughs> I guess a bunch for it. And they were like, no, we don't want to make Skeletor sexy. <laughs> But um, <laughs> memes and uh, culture has proven that wrong. Skeletor is like I, super sexy. Am I crazy? I thought it was like a thing that I guess I didn't watch through the entirety of the credits. But is there not a shot of Skeletor? There's rising, a post credit. Yeah, there's a post credit scene. Rising out of the goop, yeah. out of yeah. the back. <laughs> the, the apoc- I mean, he, apocalypse now. They <laughs> s- they stole from Star Wars, and then Star Wars stole from them. This is basically exactly what happened to Darth Maul. I mean, I think this movie steals a lot from a lot of things. Yeah. Like, it definitely has a, like, a oh, Sarah yeah. Connor Terminator vibe when oh. she's, like, getting chased around. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Courtney Cox was really cracking me up as she was being chased, too. Like, she, she seems to kind of just resort to saying no a lot. No! Hey, man, don't. No. <laughs> like, there's a great moment where she sees somebody and she goes, no. And he man's like, shut the fuck up. Like, we're hiding. <laughs> and then every time she hugs him and he's so oily and sweaty, I was like, I mean, get get it in, Courtney. He Cox. always has <laughs> such a smile about it, too. Whenever whenever he hugs her, he just has like this. Oh, look at you. They had chemistry. This poor, this poor girl. Yeah, I guess the, the director wanted him to kind of show his softer side. He was really struggling. Dolph was struggling with that with the character. Um, but they had like an acting coach or somebody else there that was working with him and they were totally giving him the opposite direction of like, you mean to be tough and stern? And the director was like, shut the fuck up. And then they like got rid of him. And so he could finally get the, the performance he wanted out of him. Uh, do you guys have any final thoughts before we uh, get to ratings and recommendations and all that good stuff? Like, and truly it doesn't have to be uh, quick. Like if um, we've been jumping all over the place, so especially you, Michael, like, I, you have a whole portfolio. You, you, you're, you've spent a lot of time with this movie. Like, uh, like anything that we haven't touched on that you'd really like to get off your chest? Uh, I, no, not really. I mean, it, as a child, it wasn't the movie that I wanted it to be. Um, but when I, when I go back and I see the, the, the passion that was actually attempted in the movie, even though the studios and Mattel didn't allow it to happen, I have a lot of appreciation for it. Um, I chose I the movie because it is... It is fun. It is part of my childhood and there, it is in my heart. I'm kind of, I actually do want to, I've meant to ask, uh, cause I felt like it took me a long time to get to a point in my life where I would watch a movie and be like, Hmm, I feel weird. I don't feel like how I normally feel after watching a movie, which is like, I had a great time and I would examine that thought and be like, Oh, it's cause the movie was bad and I didn't like it. So I'm interested in the fact that you're saying like, Oh, this movie wasn't what I liked. Cause I feel like if I saw this movie when I was like nine, any movie is fun. I don't think I could have been, I guess maybe if I had some sort of attachment to the cartoon, possibly, 
but it's interesting that you felt that way. I, suppose. I definitely had an attachment to the cartoon. Um, I, I mean, that was, de- that was the number one reason if there wasn't because of the cartoon and I didn't know the, the lore in itself. I didn't follow the, the comics at that time. Um, I was more cartoon based. Um, that I, I wanted it to look like the cartoon. I wanted it to sound like the cartoon. Mm. Um, and it, it just, it didn't, but it was still He-Man. And so I loved He-Man. So I was still in, even though it wasn't necessarily what I. Sure. It's like, you know, the animated Transformers movie. So good. You know? <laughs> yeah. The, so, the Orson Welles one? Yeah. So good. <laughs> it's such a good movie. And then Michael Bay came out and was like, I'm going to change everything. Well, I mean, I'm just saying like from that era where you like, you did have like people who really cared about the lore and it was like a show Um, that was just made to make toys. But then you had like this live action movie or not live action, but this, this theatrical movie was great, except they killed. Yeah. Which is is also a giant move to make. It was a giant move. And still, still to this day, they're like, it was the dumbest thing we ever did. (laughs) Um, And I agree. It was dumb. Uh, Rodimus Prime just didn't, he, he couldn't pull it off. Uh, but then they do a GI Joe movie and they couldn't have done a worse job with that. I mean, making it so sci-fi, you know, with globulus and, you know, his goons and I don't know, <laughs> it just, it got weird and it's like, I don't know. It's a, it's a, I don't know. It's a real American hero. It's yeah. I've not, not followed the GI cause like, I know they made all those recent live action ones and then they tried to make like a spinoff one. That Snake Eyes movie? Yeah, yeah Snake Eyes movie. Just, meh, it was okay. You guys tried to make a Snake Eyes movie? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Interesting. I actually thought G.I. Joe Retaliation, I think it is, the one with The Rock. Um, yeah, that's, the, that's I, probably the best one out, yeah. out of those. But it's, it's not great, but it's no, definitely it's, it's the best one out of that bunch. Isn't Channing, um, they, isn't Channing Tatum in that world? And the he's original one, the, Duke. He's I think. in the first one, yeah. He's in the first <laughs> oh, he's one. He's in the second he's one. He's in the second one, too, but he dies like immediately <laughs> yes. or, or gets incapacitated almost <laughs> immediately. He's, yeah, not, he's, he's in, maybe he's, in the beginning of the end. He's in the it. very beginning. He dies. That's and then very they funny. <laughs> it's like but John, just, but even, even uh, Joseph Gordon Levitt is in the first one and he becomes Cobra Commander at the end and then he just gets recast for the rest of the movies because he's like, I'm not coming back to this. Yeah. There's so many great characters in G.I. Joe and they just killed them all off to save money basically yeah, yeah. Well, one, of, one of these days they need to do what they've been talking about doing but is to, to mash that up with the transformers movies that they're making i mean i hear the newer transformers movies have not been bad like the bumblebee movie and bumblebee, like the, i like bumblebee the bumblebee movie yeah, is fun. Bumblebee's fun. and i have I, not I seen, seen the new one the primal yeah one. And, yeah and i haven't with, seen with it anthony yet. ramus yeah yeah and i've heard that one's like not bad in comparison to some of the others Isn't that but, the mark Wahlberg one or is that a different one uh, I, actually I think like it's the first Dark of the Moon. I, I like Yeah, it's the first one without Mark. It's Mark. Yeah. It's, it's the next chapter now. Uh, the Man. Rise of the Beasts or whatever. Yeah, yeah, I think. I'm not sure. I like I, 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 Mark Wahlberg ones are fun, I haven't I watched a Transformers movie since the second one. I watched the first Mark Wahlberg one, whichever one that was. Oh, I hate that all, all these cars. Bumblebee doesn't transforming. talk. It's like he talks. <laughs> yeah. Come on. I hated that they did that to him. Because <laughs> he's, you know, I, I think any any kid that grew up like, Bumblebee's one of their favorites. Yeah, Transformers yeah. was a show I watched a lot as a kid. Mm-hmm. Like, I watched a little bit of He-Man, but I watched a lot of Transformers. Yeah, loved it. And I wanted every <laughs> single one of them. They were so expensive even back then. Yeah. And all my friends had them, and I had Starscream. I had the big, giant Transformer that like you, Skyfire? Could, you could store all your other Transformers in, but it was also transformed from a dude to a car, too. But I had no transformers to put in it. <laughs> I don't know if I know that one. Yeah, I got it at like a yard sale. I think that's awesome. all. My, all my toys when I was a kid were Power Rangers toys and Batman toys. Those were the mm. two things that I had because I was a 
big Batman the Animated Series guy. Me too. And I was a big Power Rangers I had a, guy. I had a ton of Batman, a ton of Power Rangers, and I had I had so many Ninja Turtles. Pretty crazy. <sighs> the Ninja amount of Ninja Turtles that I have, or used to have, is insane. I still have my Splinter. Have you done Ninja Turtles? Have you no, seen that movie? I've, I've seen it. Uh, <laughs> I'd, I'd sit down with Tony on, on Ninja Turtles. I think we, I have, love, we, I, we both have a strong love for that. Oh, you guys movie. are ruining one of my wrecks. I, I thought that. I was going to be like, you want to watch a good live action movie? The Ninja Turtles movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, I had the, I had the white Rangers, like Falcon. Oh yeah. Like, uh, the big old Falcon. With the I little... had a power Rangers birthday party when I was like seven. <laughs> at mcdonald's and it was like a mcdonald's themed like power rangers party and they had like all these ridiculous toys that were i don't know just for the birthday thing like <laughs> every every kid got like a fucking like morphin time thing oh, yeah i mean uh, you bet, you bet the your coins ass. that slid into it to like change which character you were i still remember cool. when mcdonald's like they were doing the little figure and they each had a little car that looked like their zoid that you could put them in i was i was big into that but yeah uh Luke or Tony, final thoughts on uh, Masters of the Universe? I don't know. I was I had a lot more fun with it than I thought because I originally thought I was just going to hate on it the whole time. But overall, I actually had a pretty good time with the movie. Despite, uh, I mean, it's just like once you just accept, like, yeah, it's a bad movie, but like that doesn't mean it's bad. You know what I mean? It's it's a fun movie. Yeah, I mean, I think as someone who loves Tremors. I mean, it, I, I love Tremors too, and I don't think I don't even put Tremors into a category. Right, and I, and I wouldn't either. But I think it's you know when I go into something like a Tremors or a Critters or you know something that has so, so good, but something that has no, no Tremors. They're both good. But you know when you go into a series like that, you you expect a certain level of camp. So all I wanted out of this was campy fun, and as someone who didn't know the lore and didn't know the characters. And didn't have any connection to the original source material. I think it's a fun movie. I I enjoy it. Um, and I also was a little afraid after the first twenty minutes. I was like, oh man, I'm going to hate this. Yeah. Um, and it, eventually, and you know, once you kind of get into the world and you get to see the characters, and like it seems like they're legitimately having fun, especially Frank Langella. I'm, I'm, I was in. I I liked it. That's great. Um, do you guys? I, I don't force my guests to rate things but you're welcome to give this movie a rating should you so choose i unfortunately through the years of doing this show have locked myself into having to rate movies because i just assume people like numbers i don't know i don't even know i never get feedback on whether people would care if i stopped rating movies or not i just do it at this point but if you guys have any ratings you'd like to throw out you can i'll do my rating and my final thoughts uh but yeah. Is there, uh, do you want it like a one out of five, one, like five star? Or like I personally one out of usually do one out of 10 on the show, but you're welcome. You can rank, rank it one out of 20 Frank Langella's. I, whatever floats your boat. <laughs> I mean, as far as like, you know, just as far as part of my life, I'd put it, you know, probably, I don't know, probably around a seven or something. But as far as an actual movie, I think, <laughs> I think it's rated like 5.6 or something on IMDb. And I don't think that's far off. <laughs> that's fair. That's a, that's very fair. Uh, Luke. I rated it a three and a half on letterbox out of five uh, out of five. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I'd probably give it something like around a two and a half, uh, um, cosmic keys out of, <laughs> mm, yes. If only we had another half of a cosmic key. Um, yeah. Uh, if people, if this is your first episode, God help you. Uh, but maybe you're tuning in because you're one of Michael's two friends, as he spoke about earlier in the episode. His two Hello, friends are guys. sitting right here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We're talking. <laughs> Michael, you have three friends in this room right now. Uh, <laughs> a, bra- a breakthrough. <laughs>
And then, and then he wakes up and he's actually alone in the studio and we were never, we were just figments of his imagination. Yeah. Uh, but uh, if people have never tuned in before, I am famously hard on movies on this show because like ostensibly I am watching some of the greatest movies of all time. For example, as I always say, I gave the Godfather an 8.5 out of 10, which I think that is a 10 out of 10 movie. So if that gives you a semblance of what my grading curve is. So when I say, that Masters of the Universe gets a four out of ten. Uh, no, that's not me being. Su- yes, that sounds like a mean score, but like, like in real life, I sounds like, reasonable. I you say next to The Godfather. I'm not sure I can argue with that. Jake. Well, it's it's tough. Like what? Like we talked. We were talking briefly about the Oscars and like what does this even mean? And like what's the best movie? So it's like these those movies aren't comparable. It's like I had a fun time watching it. It's breezy. Uh, this is a classic movie that probably should just be 90 minutes on the dot. And the fact that it's stretched out a little bit, it's like, eh, whatever it's, there's lots of fun bouncing back between the worlds. Like I always am happy to see Dolph. Like he looks fucking great in this movie. As much as I was making fun of Gwildor, we have to get the cosmic key. Like it's just, I don't know. He's got charisma. You can't, you can't really, can't really buy. Like he pops on screen. He's fun to look at. Like seems like everyone's doing their best in this movie. Uh, but I mean, I probably will never watch this movie again. Uh, it's, I don't, I think this is a classic case of like, and you're such a great example of this, Michael, and like why I love doing this show. Like how much does nostalgia factor into how much you like a movie? If I, if this was on VHS in my house and I was watching this next to the mighty Morphin power Rangers, like on a rotation, fuck yeah, I probably would love this movie, but it's like now I didn't grow up with the cartoon. I didn't grow up with like all this other stuff. Like it's just, uh, yeah, I thought it was a fun time and I appreciate you like suggesting it. Cause like, it's a movie that I really love the levels I get to do on this show where it's like, I got to go home and watch Schindler's list now <laughs> off the back of watching masters of the universe. Like what a weird existence, but yeah, I had a good time with it. Uh, so, but yeah, I mean, ultimately I think it has a lot of flaws. I would have killed to, I know a lot of why they made the choices they made were very budgetarily motivated and all of us in this room have experienced being on the other end of that and you don't always get to choose but i do i always see moments where like little character things could have been juiced and i would have been like well a lot more empathetic towards julie and he-man and stuff like that where it's like we get little snippets where he's like we have to save the sorcerers okay cool yeah i get you on your adventure or whatever like what is your relationship with the sorcerers (laughs) like uh, (laughs) but yeah so i know i had a good time though um uh, we'll finish with plugs, but usually in this part of the show, I like to do recommendations where uh, we just throw out a handful of movies that you think are like underrated or you think people should go watch. I already said like a good example would be, I was going to suggest the Ninja Turtles movies. I believe I'm a lot less familiar with the sequels, but I do think the first one is a genuinely great movie. Um, and very much like if you like something like Master of the Universe, I think like Ninja Turtles is like a fucking slam dunk movie, but I don't know if you guys... I have a couple more, but I'll let you guys uh, jump in if there's anything that comes to mind. Tremors, obviously, we've talked extensively about, and I would recommend people watch that. I, I had a great time with that movie. <laughs> uh, Luke threw out Critters kind of on the side there. I, I definitely would say <laughs> Critters. Uh, I And I Critters 1 and 2 uh, kind of falls off the rails a little bit on the third one. Um, but uh, I, I enjoy that one. I, a good a Dolph movie, Universal Soldier? Universal Soldiers, yes, definitely solid. That's the one where he's collecting the ears. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. 
Jean-Claude. And then Jean-Claude to branch off that blood sport. That's, uh, I, I love Tony, Tony pretty, pretty infamously likes a movie that I'm kind of hard on with, uh, the Jean-Claude movie, Hard Target. Yeah, man. Yeah. Hard Target's awesome. <laughs> I do enjoy Hard Target. <laughs> the one that I'll throw out that I think is very, uh, similar in feel. And it was one of my childhood, like probably the amount that, that you watched this movie was Last Starfighter for me. Oh yeah, um, I love that movie, and I think it you know it has a lot of the similar kind of B movie feel. Definitely some budgetary things that were you know decided. They put a video game in there to try to make the video game popular. I I I really love that movie. I went, when I was searching to be for Masters of the Universe, uh, I stumbled across Mac and B and almost just watched oh, that. Uh-huh. Mac and me. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I've never seen that, but I. I'm familiar with the ongoing Paul Rudd bit where he shows that scene from Mac and me every time he yeah. is with uh, uh, Conan O'Brien, <laughs> the wheelchair scene, like the, oh, oh no. And then like the kid just, yeah, people know what I'm talking about. I don't, yeah. have, to, I don't have to keep going on that. Do I <laughs> please make me I mean, stop. I, really any, anything with Kevin Bacon in it, I think is, <laughs> I think it's solid. Hollow man. Okay. <laughs> you always got to bring up hollow man. Uh, well, okay. that I wouldn't like put that, that I wouldn't put that at the top of his, but I just, I, Kevin Bacon, I, I just, I love me some Kevin Bacon. That's interesting. Um, Have you seen that, uh, that new movie with him? Which uh, one's that one? Dave Them. Dave Them. Oh, oh okay. All right. There's another one. Uh, that's, that's the, that's that one's the, bad. the post-apocalyptic, uh, movie. It's like, uh, oh, it's like it's the, on the end of the world. Is it on yeah. Netflix? Uh, yeah, it's on Netflix. It's a Netflix movie. I'll tell you. I, I, it's produced by Michelle Obama, I'm pretty sure. Oh. A, a pretty good little uh, Kevin Bacon movie was a cop car. Did you see oh, that? That is good. Yeah. That one's good. I quite like it. I think that's like a real like low budget filmmakers can appreciate mm-hmm. type movie. Like I, I got a little bit of buzz and I kind of just, it was on one of the streaming services and I watched it. I was like, this is a good movie. Yeah. Kevin Bacon, my favorite Kevin Bacon performance is probably super. Uh, Dude. That's, yeah. that's the one I quote all the time. He's like, your girlfriend will never go back to you. You know why? Because I'm fucking interesting <laughs> he's good in that he's good in x-men i think oh yeah yeah oh, for yeah, sure yeah. shaw yeah <laughs> leave the world behind leave the world the one behind. you're looking for oh he's in leave the world behind he is. yeah uh, I, flatliners i've had, I've had oh, multiple people say i need to watch that but then i it's okay i've I like seen really one. mixed reviews for that so i think leave the world behind was an interesting movie that had my attention <clears throat> i almost shut it off two minutes into it i think i was telling you this i almost shut it off two minutes <laughs> into it because the opening dialogue in the movie is so bad it's just like, let me explain everything I possibly can to you in, in the first two minutes of like why we're doing what we're doing. And I was like, oh, I don't like any of this. And then I almost shut it off and I didn't. And then from then on, it had my attention to the end. Mm-hmm. But the way that it ended made me feel like meh about the whole movie. But I will admit that I was on the edge of my seat kind of throughout the entire movie. But by the time it was over, I was just kind of like, well, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it, but I, I do genuinely think they did a good job with it. Hmm. I just think that maybe the ending could have been punched up a little bit. You hear yeah. about how nasally I am? <laughs> it's just getting worse and worse the whole, the you, whole you, show. You are, you are cursed when it comes to my show, I think. <laughs> I, no, it's just, I, I have to take Benadryl at like 5 o'clock, and if I don't, I'm like fucked up for the rest of the night. But when I, I left here in the middle and went to the dollar store and bought Benadryl and came back. <laughs> Um, I, I'm not somebody that gets starstruck, but I would say I probably would be if I, I met Kevin Bacon. He's he's my one super meat that I I want to. Um, he was really he performed uh, at uh, the Indiana State Fair. Oh yeah, and I was performing at the Red Barn, so I, I wasn't able to get away to go see him. But I, I heard brothers. like yeah, like nobody was there, 
And so like literally everyone could just go up and like shake his hand and say, Hey, and he just talked to everybody. He was totally cool. And Hey, but I took you to see uh, Keanu Reeves. You did take me to see Keanu Reeves and he didn't say a word. (laughs) (laughs) I fucking love that dude though. (laughs) I am an FBI agent. But Uh, if anybody knows Kevin Bacon and knows how I can uh, meet him and just say hi. Um, (laughs) He he also had that, uh, that vigilante movie he did that I kind of liked. Oh, something. Death, death sentence, sentence. Death sentence. Yeah. Yeah, where he like shaves half his head and yeah. John Goodman's on that, like a board the whole time for some reason. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't see his uh, movie where he's a ma- married to Amanda Seyfried that came out recently. That's kind of weird. Oh, uh, <laughs> uh, the horror one. Yeah, is that? Is that uh, it's like apparently in the novel, like his wife is supposed to be half his age. So I don't know. Anyway, mm-hmm. uh, we talked a lot about uh, B movie guilty pleasures. I collect on. Courtney Cox. That was almost a tongue twister. Uh, and I was reminded that she's in 3000 miles to Graceland. I would mm. definitely classify that as a guilty pleasure of mine. It's a stupid movie and I kind of love it. Uh, you should just never go wrong with Kurt Russell. Uh, <laughs> and also Kevin Costner is just so funny in that movie <laughs> that I don't, have you guys ever seen 3000 miles to Graceland? Yes. I know that I've seen it, but I, mm-hmm. I don't know that I can actually, there's so many bizarre scenes. Like when there's like a sheriff that pulls them over, they do like a, essentially a quick draw on each other. He's like, good day. And the cop's like, great day. And he's like doing this thing with his teeth. And they're like, so weird. Uh, but, uh, and the other one is uh, Dolph. A uh, slight guilty pleasure of mine if you like action movies. I actually really like Showdown in Little Tokyo. I think it's a lot of fun. Uh, you know, and also just one of the few movies uh, that, our, that our boy Brandon Lee got to do before the unfortunate thing that happened on The Crow. Uh, I in that movie, there's a scene where Brandon Lee tells Dolph Lundgren he has a huge dick. <laughs> yes, Dolph, Dolph, Dolph. That's the only thing I remember from that movie because I watched it like I don't know, I was like ten. I was like, that's weird. Dolph, <laughs> so in a movie with Brandon Lee, Dolph Lundgren is the Japanophile who built his. It's like, whoa, this is a crazy dojo. They got built it by hand. Uh, but it's just, it's just a fun, goofy movie where just like Dolph is shirtless a lot and super cool. And Brandon Lee is someone who. And I think a lot of us in this room are big fans of the first Crow movie, but it, it does. The Crow is particularly devastating in the sense that I feel like Brandon Lee was like sort of coming into his own and we really missed out on decades of like whatever he would have gotten up to as an actor. So it's mm-hmm. always a shame. And I like going back and watching stuff like Little, uh, Little Tokyo and like the rapid fire, just seeing like what he was like back in the day. So, but yeah, Dolph's pretty good in showdown and it's not too far after this movie, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's recommendations. But last but not least, uh, it's, it's been interesting cause we're in Tony's studio. And so usually I have like the pressure of like staring at like how long we've been going to be like, okay, I need to hurry up. But like, I'm completely freewheeling here. I have no idea how long we've been running. I have a feeling it's like two and a half hours. This uh, says two and a half hours, but <laughs> my recording on the computer actually crashed at about 15 minutes in. So we're probably like, like 2.45. Cool. cool, cool. <laughs> so have fun <laughs> editing that's this why, down. That's why we're recording on two things. Uh, so no, there's a, there's a, I, a lot of my episodes go three plus, like, especially when I'm either have a brand new guest or I have a guest that's too comfortable. Then <laughs> we'll just talk about the dumbest shit. But, uh, but yeah, uh, I host a show. Uh, plugs. I would like to do plugs. I would like for all of you three extremely talented people to tell people what they should look up to find what you're up to. Should we all do it at the same time? Yes. Just simultaneously. <laughs> if you could all talk and we'll just try to sort through that. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, 
we'll finish with you, Michael. You're the, you're the first time guest. We'll, we'll stop with you. How about t- Tony? Uh, what can you send people to? Um, we got a movie that might end up on prime here in the near ish future. So I can keep a lookout for macabre mountain. It's going to be doing some distribution stuff here in the near future. Macabre always a tough one because like, I think it's one of those words that people don't necessarily. Macabre. Yeah. It's like, mm-hmm. uh, macabre. <laughs> uh, yeah. and what's that? Can I do this from memory? M I'm going to look like an asshole. M A C B R E. Hey, there's another, A in there. it's another macabre. A. macabre. Yeah. Macabre. M A C A. B R E. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you can check that out. Um, is there a premiere of that? It's going to happen. Um, there might be a screening here in the area at some point. Um, (laughs) we got, we got, you know, we've been asked to do one. I just need to talk to the theater guys and get it all sorted out. But Yeah. yeah, but, um, that's coming out. We're working on some thirsty Thursday stuff right now. Um, editing undesirables. Um, yeah, but not really a lot. Of uh, stuff to share at the moment. Yeah, go check out Idle Girl. Um, yeah, that's on Prime. It's on Prime, and on Prime. the delivery guy kills yeah. it. And delivery guy is so good. Yeah. Uh, I wonder who plays the delivery guy. <laughs> I don't know. He's hot. <laughs> that was most of the reviews I read. But just like five stars. I really want to have sex with the delivery guy. Uh, <laughs> but they all seem like from accounts that had similar names. Like someone oh. had gone on there yeah. and. Yeah. Uh, posted a bunch of reviews from puppet accounts. That's just me. <laughs> the big review. I'm staring at Michael, but it was Tony the whole time. Uh, <laughs> Luke, anything that you want to plug? I am currently directing Clinton County Civic Theater's one other show, uh, which is they're making a huge deal out of. I guess it's a big deal, you know, hitting that milestone. Having 100 shows is um, great for the organization since they started in 1989. Wow. So that show will open third weekend of February. And then I'm sure Mike will probably mention it, but we will be co-directing a musical that I'm not going to give away just in case any of our students find this before. And surely it'll be announced by then, but we'll be directing something coming up here in April. If it makes you feel better, I have like five episodes banked before this one. So okay, it's well, probably going to be well over a month. It will be. I don't, a mu- I don't trust those kids. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> they, they might be right out there this time. Um, and then of course this summer we'll be, Back at the uh, old Red Barn Summer Theater, did you uh, guys um uh did you guys work on the genie short together? I, mean, I know that's not out out, but I was not on that shoot. No, he was un- he was unavailable. But you are one, on but... the other one, which has won some awards and done some stuff, right? Uh, yes, shooting blanks. Um, yeah, he was uh, Luke was our DP on that. Ooh. Uh, it has uh, one. Uh, it's, it's actually done pretty well for really kind of our first festival. Um, we've, we've kind of put a few things together, but this was the first time we were like, let's just throw it out there and see what happens. Um, we've, we've pulled off a couple of directing awards, a couple of acting awards, um, a lot of dark comedy awards. That's kind of been our number one. Yeah. It's so, just kind of finding the niche that we needed to yeah. submit it in. I think we were, I submitted it to a lot of horror festivals and they, it wasn't really catching with those, yeah. but yeah, but you, you guys know even better than I do. They just want someone to like reach their hand into someone's stomach and pull out like intestines and not to, um, not that I'm looking yeah. down on that, but <laughs> no. And it really, it wasn't, I, 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 I misjudged where it should have gone. Um, even though it's, you know, somebody dies and, you know, things in it, but, um, it really doesn't Spoilers. fit that, um, <laughs> yeah. it, it doesn't really fit the, the, that genre. So, um, the, the dark comedy is definitely where it should be. Yeah. And luckily it's, it's doing well there. Yeah. And so. that, and that is with our 
production company, Sweet Yams Productions. Yeah. That shot that and has been submitting it. Yeah. So we've 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 got some other uh projects coming up um in the future, some more shorts that we want to um get out and um get into the festival circuit again. Um I have a passion project, uh, a script called The Promise, um, that I've been kind of tossing around, um, just trying to get some feedback on that script and kind of seeing who would want to get in on it. It's actually a brainchild of Tony's. Actually, it's a, one of those dreams, um, that became a script. Yeah. Um, I like bouncing ideas to you cause you'll finish a script. I, I have a hard time with that. Yeah. <laughs> you give him an idea and then the next day he has 75 pages. Yeah. 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 So I, I don't know. There's something about that story. I just, I really like it. And I think it's, I, I not to get dark or personal, but uh, it connects to my childhood. Uh, I have a friend of mine who passed away very early in my life, and uh, there's a lot of that in that story. Uh, so when Tony kind of gave me the concept right away, I thought of that, and it just kind of grew from there. Um, it's not a true story, so that would be weird if you were to see it. And then, um, to be like, oh, that, that's cool. But um, so that's that would be a big project. And then, as he said, this uh, and then this summer uh, we have the Red Barn Summer Theater, which we're currently in the midst of casting our company right now. Uh, we have three shows. We have a world premiere uh, called Keep the Change. Is that so? Is the Red Barn Theater, is that Frankfurt? Located? That's in Frankfurt. Okay. Yeah. Frankfurt, just just for people that might be curious. Yeah. Um, yep. So that's in Frankfurt, Indiana. Uh, we have been going, this is going to be the 56th season. Yep. Uh, not a lot of summer stock theaters left in Indiana. Um, but uh, so we have a world premiere. We have another uh, show, uh, The Lone Star Love Potion, to, like a bedroom farce. Uh, just pure silliness. And then for the Mel Brooks fans out there, we're doing Young Frankenstein, the musical. Whoa. So, Young Frankenstein, the musical. Yeah, um, that's awesome. Yes. <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's a lot of fun. Um, so Luke will probably be on stage in that in some aspect. We're not totally sure just yet where, but um, yeah, uh, that's, uh, I guess that's, that's what I've got going on. You're going to nab the Igor role? <laughs> that's, that's the, there is potential. It's a possibility. There. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Did I pinpoint it? Uh, is there any, especially like I, I always also would encourage you guys, if there's any social medias that you want people to find, like if you there's a place where they can follow your work, like, I don't know if you have a sweet yams page. I know Tony has, is it just Tony Walters photography or something on Insta? Or? Instagram's Anthony David. Anthony now. David. Anthony David director. I think is what it is on Instagram. And then uh, our website is radentertain.com, And that is going to get a new facelift here in the next couple of weeks with new, oh. with new merch and maybe some uh, teasers from undesirables and some stuff for thirsty Thursday. And it's going to get a whole revamp here in the next couple of weeks. There's like so. multiple movies I've worked with Leanne on in uh, Fort Wayne. And she always wears her rad entertained. <laughs> she <hat>. represents. <laughs> Gotta respect it. I love Love my rad shirt, but it's a little small on me now, so I'm gonna have to get a new one. But you did talk about a design, so I don't want to say it, you know, here in case it's not happening. But about a a certain figure that the rights just came out to uh, that you were talking oh. about throwing that on there. <laughs> I may do that. I haven't. I have not decided uh, if I'm going to or not, but I, but I might do that. Yeah. yeah, keep you guys' eyes peeled. Um, but I do highly recommend following all these guys. They are always up to cool stuff. I. Uh, it's really fun because, you know, we've all got to work on multiple projects. So definitely keep your eyes peeled for Macabre Mountain. Me and Michael do have writing credits on that. Um, that was a classic case of what Michael talked about earlier of like, there was a story and we came in and like zhuzhed it around a little bit. And like, I, 
I, I'm, it was like, what a fun time. I, I get really nostalgic, nostalgic for the time we spent in West Virginia. It was just, uh, it was good just being in a hotel and making a movie. I was like, holy shit, we're doing it. Uh, <laughs> Everyone on that was so fun. Yeah, I sure. just, it was... <laughs> It was one, a it was lot of great one people. of the best crews I've, I mean, if not the best crew I've ever worked with, like we were like a pretty well-oiled machine knocking that thing out. I mean, mm-hmm. But and, I also, and it was done quick. It was done very quick. Yeah. And I was at school working. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is like, I had a great time on the undesirable set too. Like me and Tony were talking about the Airbnb that some of the crew was staying at. And I, I have like this really vivid sense memory because, uh, like I was just like, I would like eat over the counter where the, uh, uh, we haunted. <laughs> I, I would eat over the counter where the dishwasher was and the dishwasher would be running. There'd be like this very pleasant heat just like <laughs> spilling out from it while I'm just like housing a donut before it's time to go to set. And I was just like, I don't know. It's just, and also the last night I got to be in the hot tub and unfortunately ruined us doing pump up the volume. Cause I got shit faced and watched pump up the volume in that hot tub. <laughs> <laughs> and then I watched Velocipaster. It was a good, uh-huh. it was a good night. Uh, but <laughs> thank you guys so much for joining me. Thank you for Absolutely. all of you making time for this. This is like, uh, probably one of my more successful four people podcast. And in large part, thanks to you guys being so great. Uh, thank you guys for listening. If this is your first time, I'm sorry. Uh, I did my best, <laughs> but, uh, I love you guys. I hope, uh, you guys have a good day. If you're hearing this at the end of the show. And as I, Unfortunately, I always say at the end of every episode, I'll catch you all on the flip-flop later. Bye. Good journey. (laughs) Good journey. (laughs) That's a good call. (laughs) He's been waiting all day to say that. (laughs) Good journey. (laughs) 